Hello, and welcome to the 35th annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Oh, man, I'm Patrick Gremion. Oh, man. Welcome to The Academy. Patrick, it took a while, but in this new Pacino season, I'm starting to feel it. We're, we're starting to see these movies in much closer proximity. Yeah. And yeah it's, it's starting to get in a, the vortex is here, I would say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like we were talking about in the beginning of this uh, season, how like we'll never get tired of Al Pacino. It's never going to be a, a struggle for us. And and this 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 is like the first week where I was like, OK, it's starting to as yeah, as we as we vortex, as we like spin towards the toilet bowl, like uh yeah, it's getting tough. It's getting a little I mean, tough. It's you know, it is like it's still good. Yeah, they're still great. Don't mind. You know, I mean, there's Donnie Brasco is a very easy movie yeah. to like hang out and watch compared to the two hours and forty minutes of sadness that was Sophie's choice over yes. and over and over <laughs> again. Like Donnie Brasco is Donnie Brasco is a neat hang with the guys. Yeah, <laughs> but, just just some dudes being dudes. Oh, they are dudes being dudes. If there yeah. ever was any. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're getting a tighter squeeze here. We got some, you know, the kind of similarities between the films are starting to like really like announce themselves. Like you almost feel like Sonny, if he when he got out of jail, became lefty at times. Yeah, or no, totally. or certainly Al's character from Panic in Needle Park had had he survived Needle Park. Mm-hmm. Um lefty was in his future too like almost all roads lead to lefty for al i think i think think, and there's like i think uh, if you're like an enterprising listener who's a great editor i think you could take the movies panic and needle park scarecrow dog day afternoon and donnie brasco and do a crazy topher gray style edit of all those into one (laughs) big four-hour film I truly think it would be coherent. I think you could do or, this. Or, or if you wanted to, like, once Serpico moves to Switzerland, he decides instead he's going to become a uh, hard-hitting journalist and start working for CBS News. Yeah, and then, he, <laughs> and then he retires and becomes an actor, and you can bring Jack and Jill into it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, and it all comes full circle. But, um, oh, man. yeah, we've got two big man. The first round, first of the semifinals today um juggernaut dog day afternoon only has lost one vote so far in the entire tournament versus you know i i hard to say because i think we kind of pinpointed this one as a possible um dark horse contender when we started off the show but donnie brosco still in the mix i mean admittedly donnie's road has not been as um you know any given sunday and scent of a woman were not the most difficult films for Donnie Brasco to defeat, yeah. but um, I, you know, we're we're upset. <laughs> you know, we are. Um, if nothing, if we are fans of any given Sunday, and Scent of a Woman is is certainly a movie. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I, there, there's parts of Scent of a Woman I like, and you know, and we'll be talking. You know, we actually um, because we are the vortex is goes beyond Pacino. The vortex is some level of a time vortex where we are recording all over the place. We most certainly a few weeks ago had a very interesting discussion about the director of Scent of Woman, Martin Brest. Um, 
yeah that you all probably enjoyed but we have not actually had yet because we haven't recorded that one yet even though it's going to be released before this episode do the math yeah we're about don and i are about to go into the tenant uh we're about to go into the tenant chamber we're gonna go backwards Uh, in time to have the discussion this is it yeah this is it the john david washington robert pattinson get to save the world patrick and i just have to have this back and forth (laughs) bullshit about these actors (laughs) Christopher Nolan is unimpressed with all of this. <laughs> we're, we're, we're already broken men. We're yeah, the, broken. Sh- the, the shame boys are shamed once again. Yeah, the, shame, um, the, shame, the two Fredos. Yeah. The t- two Fredos. Um, but we got to get to our guest here. He's waiting patiently as we I'm bullshit. So sorry, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, he's another returning champion, one of our greatest champions. Mm. I mean, you could probably put him up there with, you know, the. The Ric Flair's, the Stone Cold Steve Austin's, the Undertaker's of the world in terms of great (laughs) champions. (laughs) Um, Nick Leofon is here once again. You know, we had a massive episode the last time you were here, Nick, and we're going to try and. um, Yeah. When when our guest was the first one complaining about the length of the episode. (laughs) We'll we'll see what we can do this time around. (laughs) Welcome back to the Academy, Nick. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me back. Uh, Yes, I believe the Meryl Streep episode that we recorded was about two hours and like 25 minutes or something. At least. I mean, you're always catching us in like our most existential states when it comes to this tournament. (laughs) And by the way, I... I enjoy, obviously, you know, we're all blabbermouths. We can talk forever <laughs> about everything, but especially film. So, um, you know, it's hard not to get uh, excited and, and get sidetracked easily. Um, yeah. And you're, you, you always, because you've, you've appeared twice now late in the seasons, you also kind of get the better movies. Yeah. I feel very privileged that I didn't have to watch a lot of, I guess, riffraff, even though it's never going to be super riffraff when you're dealing with amazing actors and actresses. Yeah, yeah. We were discussing before we hopped on the air the idea of, um, you know, other actors for other seasons of this show. And it did strike me in my head is like, should we pick someone who isn't universally acclaimed? as a great actor, someone who some people think is a great actor and some people are like, I don't know about this guy or gal. <laughs> and uh, that could be, I think, um, an interesting, cause we certainly would have like much more um, volatile episodes. <laughs> I think it's like, you know, this one around, it's like, yeah, the Godfather, it's good. You know, Sophie's choice. It's good. What do you do? It threw in a wrench. Like what would, I'm trying to think of even an actor at the top of my head. That's someone who's super polarizing. Oh, I think I have one, Tim Allen. Huh? <laughs> Tim <laughs> Allen bracket. That would be pure I chaos. Think, I don't think Tim Allen has appeared in enough movies that warrant like is he even in 16 films? <laughs> I think he's, like, I mean, but he's not in like inexplicably like one movie where he like gets to show like real was... dramatic chops uh, or wait, something like that. Ah uh, contraire. Uh I believe he was in David Mamet's Red Belt, sir. Oh yeah, that that would be really. I we 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 really maintain our listenership. If David Mamet's Red Belt won the entire thing, <laughs> uh, I guess you could really stretch it if you did all the Toy Stories and you included him. You know. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I think you'd have to go down that. 
Patrick, you've been trying for a while for this Tim Allen thing. <laughs> yeah, I've been sneaking it in. No, yeah, where it's there. Really wants this tool time. Well, yeah. no, we do something like um, sixteen films. Robert De Niro was in after the year two thousand. Oh God, there know. would be there would be like a challenge. <laughs> or something. I, I, actually, I love that idea of looking because I think even looking at someone like Al Pacino and you look at his work, it's so extensive. But focusing on films, yeah, recent, recent films, past 10, 20 years of someone's career, especially when they're really old, uh, uh, th- that, that would be the challenge. I, mm-hmm. I think that, that's more interesting because if I've noticed anything in watching both Meryl and Al now, I feel like I'm more drawn to their earlier work. Um, yeah, I, I think this goes... It is, yeah. This goes to something uh, Karina said in the Meryl Streep season that's really stuck with me when she was comparing um, Kramer versus Kramer and Doubt. It's like Doubt, Meryl's still good, but she kind of has her tricks and her moves and the kind of like the stuff she like falls back on as a movie star that she knows is going to work. And in Kramer versus Kramer and in, in, you know, in Dog Day and Al's case, for instance, they're still kind of like feeling around in the dark and trying stuff out and like showing like a real youthful energy and spirit in that. Exactly. Like you are watching them become an actor. I'm not mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. I mean, obviously they're actors to begin with, but you know what I'm saying? Like you nailed it. They're, they're discovering new things. They're feeling at the space. Whereas in later in life, they fall back on their known bag of tricks or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think earlier work really, you're, you're seeing growth. You're really seeing development of a, of a craft and a skill. So, um, but yes, that's, yeah. yeah. Good, good interesting analysis. It could be like, uh, Christopher Plummer could be a fun one to do because I feel like he has like some really big, I feel like he had like some really big uh, roles in the beginning of his career and they had some really big roles at the end of his career. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, yeah. but he was consistently consistently strong all the way through but yeah one of these guys who you know journeyman in a sense who does brilliant work in maybe lesser movies too oh, yeah, uh but also somebody who's passed away is helpful because it's like we have a beginning middle and end yeah. to their career yeah. as well but you know i mean you know obviously al pacino and meryl streep could still like i don't know how likely it is but could show up and put in the performance of their career in like the next film they're in yeah like for all we know house of gucci looms over us all yeah it does i mean i have a feeling he might be a little (sighs) over the top in that Uh, one just a guess but uh we'll see you know we'll see i will we will cover it that's the one that's the academy academy promise oh we will (laughs) yeah and yeah ridley scott is like a huge wild card to me because like he can either be like when he's on you know, nothing like him. It's great. Uh, sometimes I think like I think it's like the one of those things too, where like, were you a fan of like his like later later era alien movies, Prometheus? Oh, and alien, uh... yes, I am a Prometheus and a Covenant fan. Ah, okay, interesting. I like. Same. I mean, I, same. same. Okay, oh, I'm like. Yeah, not, I love, I'm, I'm I love not, all that. I mean, I like it too. I'm not as huge of. Uh, I think that like both of those movies have big laws that i can't uh i wish like it's like those movies were just a little more a little less sloppy 
Mm-hmm. Uh, just like story wise, like I feel like a lot of stuff happens just for the sake of it happening and like just to move the plot forward. Although maybe if I watched it again with new eyes, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's the um, you know, I was having a conversation about mm-hmm. uh, the other night with about Ridley and Tony Scott, and like I'm pretty much in the camp that Tony Scott is actually more consistently good than Ridley, but mm-hmm. Tony Scott does not have Alien or Blade Runner. In his filmography, which yeah. kind of like evens the playing field and makes the conversation. Uh, it, it really, oh, you know, Al, Al would have really fit in in the Tony Scott universe. As like yeah. Denzel Washington's boss at the FBI in one of the action movies Denzel Washington was in or something like that. Yeah, I think it really, uh, who, and he probably was bad all along and Denzel's going to have to take him out at the end of the movie. He could have been some sort of like... Uh... You know, like Boss and Top Gun. Well, the um, Gandolfini plays the mayor of New York in the taking of Pelham 123 remake. But Al could have easily played the mayor of New York in the taking of Pelham 123 remake. Uh, My parents watched that movie quickly and they uh, recently and they sent me a text that was like, yeah, we think the new one's better than the old one. That's crazy. Your parents are crazy. My parents are crazy. I think it truly (laughs) is just because like. I don't know. I don't know. I got to talk to, I'll talk to my mom and dad because it that, is like, not, not, yeah, the new one does not have a final shot. Like the old one does. Yeah. This, no, yeah. I, yeah. Like, yeah. Like uh, no, all my love, all the love in the world to John Travolta and Denzel Washington, but Denzel Washington and uh, John Travolta are in no way. Uh, yeah. The, uh, in the class of Walter Matthau and Robert Shaw. Thank you. Yes. I was forget. I wanted to. No, they some- are, but they're not. No, we'll put it I, that well, way. they're just yeah. different. They're just they're different. Just different. Like, it's like, well, the thing is, is like people, oh, God, I was thinking of this watching Donnie Brasco. We need to get into autobiography, but really quickly, yeah. like, I was watching Donnie Brasco, and there is just like a certain point uh, in Hollywood where they just stop, like, putting weird looking people in movies. Yeah. There is like a point where, like, it feels like there just isn't, like, or like maybe it's just a thing where, like, people, there's like a specific texture people had at a certain point in time, and people no longer, like, I think maybe part of it is sweaty, unibrows, like, all that good stuff. Uh, Regular pimples. I think people just take care of their skin better now and are, like, healthier human beings now. And so, as a result, people don't look as, like, uh, world weathered, which is like great for the world, great for your life, but not as good. Like, yeah, every single person in Serpico who wasn't Al Pacino was dead by like 48 years oh, old. Yeah, they all so... had like, yeah, they all had fatty liver syndrome, <laughs> yeah, <I know>. like, <laughs> yeah, and like constant diarrhea, like they're, they're not doing well, <laughs> but you know, God bless it because it did add like a weird, goofy texture to all the movies that really, like, like, yeah, I think like. Donnie Brasco, ever you, everyone is a little like Michael Man. Like, Michael Manson might be too hunky to be the boss yeah, of this mob. Even like, <laughs> even like it's so funny. Bruno Kirby looks better in Donnie Brasco than he did in The Godfather Part Two. Twenty years before that, yes, or, yeah, <laughs> it's like insane. <laughs> <laughs> movie maybe magic like make, maybe like makeup got better i don't know well, we've, we've talked about it a little i mean yeah I mean, we're gonna talk about donnie in just a little bit but i, I mean i think johnny depp is like too pretty yeah just in insane. general for the um like, for the universe he's trying to infiltrate it's like here's what are you doing trying to be a mobster you should go be a male model <laughs> yeah, here's the real thing. it, it should have been michael imperioli hashtag yeah. michael imperioli was robbed 
yeah hashtag the imperially cut you know <laughs> yes hashtag the, we're gonna see we're like what we did with tignataro in uh, army of the dead they're gonna do yeah, the donnie, yeah. donnie brasco with michael imperioli and marty love marty i love kundun <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is this week's um Samps.com, um, two dudes talking about Sopranos reference. Of the week. Of the week. Yeah, <laughs> so, bought by Spams. You know, it's it's a podcast, you know, you come to podcasts for certain things, and it's, is it two white dudes talking about the Sopranos in <laughs> glowing yes. fashion? Yes, it is. That's yes, what you're after. That's so, you let's you, dive into it here. You swine. Everybody's been waiting around, they're on the edge of their seats. Nick, what is your autobiography? Like early memories, like early movies that you may have caught, uh, general general thoughts on Al? Yeah. So, uh, again, I, I wish I had seen more Al Pacino movies since he's such a notable force. But the two movies that jump out, probably Godfather Part Two and Heat, those are the two movies that I think <laughs> it's been a very long time since I've seen them, but those are movies that both I loved and thought that Al was great in. I will say my, my biggest Al story, if you will, it's not really a story. My dad kind of always gets compared to a young Al Pacino. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it, and I think it's in the eyes. I think it's the eyes, maybe a little bit in the nose, but it's, it's the eyes for sure. And so when I was watching Dog Day Afternoon, I couldn't help but like kind of see my dad in Al Pacino's face. And it was kind of freaking me out a little bit. Wow. Um, so let's just say I look up to Al <laughs> like, like he's a father to me. Oh, that, you know, you're on the right podcast. <laughs> I'm just so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's um he's an interesting guy because you know before we popped on we were kind of talking about older movies too and he 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 certainly has had an impact as he's grown older but these like these these first five or six that he made in the seventies are really kind of where he's I I think is the more we've watched Patrick I don't know if you agree with me really kind of like where he stakes his claim of being kind of one of the top guys. Yes. And they, but they don't play them like on, like, you know, we've joked about devil's advocate always being on cable and that kind of thing. You don't see scarecrow or dog day afternoon on cable all that often. Even when I was a kid, they weren't on the cable all that often. It, It is so interesting that there is like a specific type of classic film that just doesn't, um, because I feel like Turner Classic Movies, maybe they do sometimes play Dog Day. I can see them doing it occasionally. But I feel like Turner Classic Movies is almost like more like even older films. I feel like, uh, although I just could be wrong. I don't watch Turner Classic Movies enough to have any uh, true. <laughs> I mean, it's all over us. the place. I think that, um, though, like, if you're flipping through the channels and you flip to turn, I, I love TCM, but you know, yeah. you're flipping through, it's like, okay, so you get a movie like, I don't know, like Casablanca, so, Casablanca or Preston Surge's Sullivan's travels, or even like West side story or, um, yeah. or like um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid, even, Cleaner movies. Uh, but f- frankly, funner. 
movies. Yeah. Like the first hour of Dog Day Afternoon is really funny. I think. <laughs> I think it's incredibly funny, but it's it's genius in the fact that as things get more dire, yeah. the film gets more serious, and the ending is, of course, as we've covered before quite sad and tragic yeah it's it's hard yeah you can't i can't imagine robert osborne uh before a, a viewing of dog day afternoon being like listen up y'all shit's about to get fucked up like- well the the <laughs> well the the bank robbery goes horribly wrong yes 1975's dog day afternoon <laughs> shit is about to get fucked up <laughs> if you feel like watching casablanca after this i wouldn't blame you yeah. He's a cool dude. He didn't like. I don't a, know. Huge, huge Robert Osborne yeah, fan. He rules. Yeah, he did, like a, he did like a cameo in Harvey Birdman. I love that. Yeah, I, I like him a lot too. And you know, rest in peace to a real one, right? Yeah, rest in power, um, baby. Yeah, but uh, you know, dive into it here because you didn't list either of the two movies for today in your autobiography. So let's get into talking about them a little bit. Uh, give give uh, give some of the statistics before we dive in. We're talking Dog Day Afternoon. 1975. Direct, direct, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I thought we just had a big 1975 oh, fan in the I house. Like, <laughs> I was doing like the, the Yahoo, like the little jingle. Yeah. yeah. I'm geez. doing the Yahoo jingle, Nick. Uh, also, Patrick really loves the band. Uh, the 1975. Yeah, that must yeah, be it. Because I was just why. thinking that's that's how I react if I'm like seeing Pearl Jam in concert and they're playing alive. I say Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was me trying to do a wolf hole, wolf howl. That's so bad. I need oh, to like born in the USA. Good job, Bruce. You've done it again. <laughs> uh, good job, 1975. I love your so- your song. I've never heard. I I've heard your band. Um, 1975, yeah. directed by Sidney Lumet, mm-hmm. screenplay by Frank Pearson. Story by Thomas Moore. Based on the article, The Boys in the Bank by P.F. Klug and Thomas Moore. Starring Al Pacino, John Cazale, James Broderick, Charles Durning. And I would like to give a special shout out in these statistics. Cinematography by Victor J. Kemper and edited by Dee Dee Allen. I think huge aspects to this film. Uh, budgeted at, and again, we've we've gotten into this before, and it's very fun, 1970s, 1980s accounting. Budgeted at 3.5 to 3.8 million, who's to say? Box office made 50 to 56 million dollars at the box office. So wow. a tidy success. Boy, you would dream about a movie of Dog Day Afternoon's level being released today and seeing a success like that um it was uh it came out to very very favorable reviews um the and many um academy award nominations as well the uh received six academy award nominations best film editing best original screenplay best supporting actor chris sarandon Best Actor, Al Pacino. Best Director, Sidney Lament, And Best Picture, it won one. Best Original Screenplay. The, um, you know, this this is a film that, uh, like we said, has done very, very, very well in the tournament thus far. Uh, Nick, had you seen Dog Day Afternoon before? I have, I had not. I had not seen this film before. And uh, what, you know, initial thoughts? Initial thoughts, loved it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, no no surprises here i really enjoyed this movie it's like maybe 
one of my new favorite films. Mm-hmm. Like I just, yeah, obviously Al's, Al's performance in it is great, but just going beyond Al Pacino, this is a great movie. I love the mainly like single location, love all the supporting cast and characters. I love the, the, the comedy that is trickled in. Uh, and I love how kind of it's, it's, it is, it's fun and it's almost silly at some points, but it never loses sight of the seriousness of what's actually going on. Um, it's just a very well-crafted film. Like I, I was totally on board for the entire, for the entire ride and the ending, it just took such a sharp, I, I kind of like I was expecting something serious to happen toward the end. I'm like, how far is this going to go? How, how, how long are they going to put up with Al Pacino's requests and stuff? Uh, but yeah, that ending was intense and dramatic. And then, and then the movie ends. <laughs> that's like, that's it. It's like, boom, you know, shot to the head. You see Al, I'm going to talk about it. Sorry. I'm going to just go right into it. Yeah, go for it. You see Al Pacino finally, I think finally really understanding the, the, the seriousness of what has just happened mm-hmm. and the reality has finally set in for him, uh, seeing his, his friend shot and seeing the trauma that he caused to the, to the bank employees. Um, and, and he thought it was just some fun time for himself. You know what I mean? It was, uh, that, that was a good, that was a really good moment, uh, as far as like a, a an arc for his character. Um, yeah, I noticed it too. It's like a with the snap of the fingers when he says, "Don't shoot me." It's like everything has like reveal. Like I, because up until that moment, he's one hundred percent certain he's get he. They're gonna get on that plane. They're gonna go to yeah. Algeria, and um, yeah. maybe maybe with it, maybe with a maybe with the pit stop in uh, Wyoming. Was that, was that Chris Sarandon? Was that what you were doing? <laughs> no, I was doing Algeria. I was trying it for an Al. Oh, but, uh, Al, Al, oh god, Algeria. 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 Put those guns down. But those guns because everyone has <laughs> such a like accent in this movie. Is it it's, New York? What is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it has such a every character. It and I was thinking about this actually when I guess just watching just general movie. Like uh, again, going back to the upcoming hour previously on Geely Jack and Jill episodes. The level of like how every character has a line in Dog Day Afternoon and you kind of know who they are. Exactly. Yes. Like you it, t- it takes so little explanation. Each of the each of the people working at the bank, all of the FBI guys, the cops, all of Al's like extended family. Yes. Um, it's just it really and the kind of the family aspect of it. I just love the part where he brings out um, Penelope Allen, who's the head teller. Oh, she's so yeah. good. And he brings her out the street. And she kind of does the wave to the crowd. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, and it's just, you know, and she's like, I got my girls in there. I'm going back in. And it's like, oh, that's just terrific. And it just how everybody, I, I get so bummed, but it makes a lot of sense because it changes the tone of the movie when Moretti gets sidelined for the FBI guy. Yeah. Like, but I love the first hour. And all, I mean, we, you know, talked about endlessly, but the interactions between Pacino and Charles Durning, when they're just screaming at each other about, and it feels like 
we are like this close to true, truly bad things happening and absolute chaos happening in the streets. And I was thinking about it, Patrick, all those cops that Pacino's telling to put their guns down, Mm -hmm. those guys are all on the take and Serpico is bringing them down almost simultaneously. Oh yeah. Like if you, (laughs) you, like, if you, uh, you know, uh, were able to do like a, a CSI criminal mind style enhanced to like the, the photograph of like those cops, you'd see F Murray Abraham. Oh yeah. And do you, so I got a question for you real quick. Do you think Moretti is dirty? Oh, yeah. But he's dirty, but he's like the kind of dirty where he's like, Serpico, I got a wife and kids. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, I think yeah. I think you're right. My son plays the jazz flute. Like, you know, he's I don't get I don't get it, but I support him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It scares me. <laughs> this is the Moretti. You're doing a terrible job in negotiating. Get him some pizzas. Oh, I love the part where Al asks for beer. When he's asking for um like the pizza, he's like, Can you get some beers too? And Charles Ray's like, No, don't you're not drinking, dude. What are you thinking? It's you like give him some it. cokes. You, <laughs> you fool. They're the, um, they're they're so in over. I mean, from the moment they go in when they're looking around the posts. Mm-hmm. Pacino can't get the gun out. And then the kid, uh, Stevie, just bails, bails on them. Oh, I love it. It's it's so, like, it's, yeah, it has, like, a very bleak ending. And it's a kind of, kind of tough story. Mm-hmm. But uh, after having watched it so many times, and I've seen it many, many times before we started this show. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, too. Um the second that Elton John song comes in at the top of it and they're going through the cityscape, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be we're in for it. It's going to be a nice two hours of like serious movie going and I'm in. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, I thought that was so funny that like opening <laughs> montage of just like life in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Is the trash guy and there's the person who's washing down a fire hydrant. And it's like it, it could have just broken out into like the fucking musical. Yeah. Uh, Here's the pregnant dog. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't forget the pregnant dog. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna show the pregnant dog in in the beginning, I want to see puppies by the end of this film. Don't Uh, you don't you dare tease me with the idea of of seeing baby dogs and then boy give those to me. Man, it's the circle of life, isn't it? Man, and you could have you could have ended the movie with that dog giving birth, and then those two guys that sell the dog to Serpico were like, "Look at these dogs I just found." Yeah, we we already sold these dogs to this weird hippie detective. Maybe we can sell some more dogs. Yeah, <laughs> circle of uh, life. Baby. I have a question. I have a question. Uh, so, um, the the like the bus driver. I guess he wasn't a bus driver, but the uh, the airport shuttle driver. Oh was, yeah. It, what are your thoughts? Do you think he was FBI as well? I lean toward a yes. Yeah. yeah cause, a soft yes. A soft yeah. yes. Actually, yeah, Al, Al, there was a moment, and I don't know if I missed it, but, you know, where Al was like, never mind, switch. Like, it's mm-hmm. off. And I, I was wondering if I missed something or if it was just his paranoia. You know, I think it's a little bit of both. But the way the guy reacts, how he becomes, like, kind of straight-laced and he drops his yeah. kind of like, oh, what a time I'm going to tell my girl about this kind of character. Yeah. And he's all of a sudden like, all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes me think that he was FBI. Yeah. yeah. Like, and even uh, on the Wikipedia page, it says Dick Anthony Williams as the limo driver slash undercover FBI agent. Oh, yeah. I see. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, there, there you go. go. But that's the thing. Was he going to shoot Sal? 
Yeah. Or, or I guess so. Yeah. Because like he brought in Lance Hendrickson to do it. Yeah. yeah. Either one, they were going to be, someone was going to be, yeah. Like, true. Yeah. it is actually crazy that Al Pacino didn't uh, check the uh, glove compartment. That is like a surprising, but like not yeah. in a bad way. It's like, it's one of those things too, where like Al is like, there's like a moment at the very end, right before he gets caught. And you can tell that like, uh, Sonny is at the end of his rope because yeah. he asks if there's going to be food on the plane and his face looks insane he has this look of like it does he looks like he has like he looks like a ghost or something it's just a truly well, they, haunting image I mean image. Yeah, Al is a movie star and he is a handsome guy but as we were kind of talking about yeah. like the 70s look like they weren't afraid even to make a handsome guy they'll look very pale yeah. very sweaty very tired yeah, or, he yeah. just has like this, like it's like a grimace that's just like, yeah. like it's very, it's crazy. I don't think Al Pacino is a, is a conventionally handsome guy. I, I don't think, think he's, he's conventionally a, handsome. He yeah, has but, like a very charactery look. You know, he's mm-hmm. very expressive and specific eyes, and he's got a very specific schnoz. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. but again, yeah. So that's why it's it funny that you just said that. Uh, you know, he was like attractive. I, again, I'm not. I mean. Like, it is like this, this thing though where like on letterboxd like if you look at like letterboxd reviews of his 70s movies like there's like a certain era where like all the reviews are horny like they're all like i want to stop al pacino i want to <laughs> i want to oh, bed this man because <laughs> he plays a lot of i mean when you play characters that are, are powerful mm-hmm. or, or or controlling or power hungry which he definitely leans yeah into that's true from yeah. his career from my understanding I think you're gonna. People are gonna be drawn to that type, yeah. those type of characters. No one's saying that on the Gandhi Brasco reviews. Did you, um, Patrick? <laughs> another interesting casting thing that I don't think has come up that goes back to a bit we did earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Uncle Junior plays um, Sonny's dad, Dominic Kiani's. Wow, I did not. Uh, I did not realize that. That is so funny. And he's also, of course, in um, Godfather Two. Oh. Wow. Uh, you know because yeah. he's um oh yeah 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 yeah. he's like uh he gets he gets uh off in the in cuba yeah yeah and uh he's the guy who fredo claims not to know but then knows yep yeah oh man but, but uh yeah yeah good great, stuff great, good. I, yeah i i just like this movie has got such a like propulsive like the to go back to the editing of dd allen like the rhythm of this movie is pretty unmatched, I think, in almost in it, across most movies. In just kind of the way, you know, the first hours is kind of comedy of errors with super energy. These these the back and forth as they're screaming at each other. You know, we've talked about it before, but we love the part where Charles Durning takes off his coat and slaps his belly, like I got nothing on me, and they're you know just screaming at each other. And it and of course the Attica scene and all yeah. of that. It's just like it's thrilling stuff. But then it's almost at the hour mark exactly when Leon arrives. Yeah, and the movie slows down its pacing a little like it's not as breakneck anymore but then it starts leaning into basically scene after scene after scene of these like some of the greatest acting on screen you'll ever see and it's basically a series of phone calls like starting with the um the leon phone call into the one with 
um, Sonny's wife yeah. and into the will reading, which is not a phone call, but might, you know, might as well be. And mm-hmm. each time out, Al is showing us more and more and more. It's really, it's, it's, it's stunning and so watchable. And the fact that Sidney Lamette is such a, um, you know, he's not Brian De Palma. He's not Martin Scorsese in terms of kind of guiding the camera around, but he makes the right choices. And he's yeah. like, I mean, you know what? Cause I got Al, he's the special effect I need. We're going to do a close up of him on the phone and just let his face do the work. Yeah. And it's perfect. It is kind of crazy that Sidney Lumet's not like uh, in the same. Uh, I feel like after watching, uh, especially like watching Serpico in uh, Dog Day Afternoon again and again, and like consistently being like wowed every time I watch their films, uh, it is kind of wild that I feel like Sidney Lumet almost like he's like, he never, I feel like more people almost think of him as like a workman, like a. Uh, like a journeyman style director than like a bona fide like uh like a Spielberg or a uh well he doesn't have um he doesn't have like a signature like style like Brian De Palma has like moves that he makes in every one of his movies that like you say to yourself oh this is a Brian De Palma film right Martin Scorsese does Spielberg does um and so forth and like Sidney Lament made like <laughs> something like 40 or 50 movies he just right. always worked. So there are strange anomalies and stinkers oh, yeah, within true. his filmography. Mm-hmm. But also it's like, holy crap, Dog Day Afternoon, Network. 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry yeah. Men. Like these it's are like cr- top of the line movies. I'm just, yeah, I am just like now, uh, God, the benefits of having two screens, folks. Uh, I am now <laughs> just like, uh, I love the two screen lifestyle. Uh, I live it. Um <laughs> but, uh, I'm just like looking at his like his uh, his uh, all his bona fides. It's crazy. Like even his last movie, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. I watched good, that movie. In that's theaters. a good movie. Great good movie. movie. Yeah. Man. Also, like Ethan Hawke and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Those are like two. Those are like one of the two. The two of the few actors of our era. I would argue that aren't like. Uh, like you could cast them in like a mafia movie and they would feel right at home. Like they're yeah, who could have of- who could have been in seventies movies? Yeah, exactly. They feel kind of world weary. Both those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm a big Sidney Lumet fan, and I we've there's some, but he's got some like amazing kind of oddball movies in his like in his film art. I mean, he also directed The Wiz. Yeah, like, I've seen that's very odd. Yeah, um, I mean, he. Although- but he also came in on time and under budget on like every single movie he ever made he's like he was as clean and workmanlike as it gets in that regard you know he didn't and his signature is probably that you know he's one of the um i know spike lee thinks this way that he's one of the great new york directors he really can capture new york in his films and um you know between this one and serpico and prince of the city and um and so forth, you know, yeah. it's it's definitely there. I th- I'd say, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of his, and I think he, I think he also understands he's he's um really really good with actors. Mm-hmm. Is kind of like another one of like he lets them do their thing. I think he really gets Al Pacino's power, and I wish they had done more films together. Like, I know that uh, Lamette was originally supposed to do Scarface, and I think that that would have been 
interesting. Although I heaven forbid we don't want to lose Brian De Palma's Scarface. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think just you know, top to bottom, we've talked a little bit about it too. Almost every one of the actors who surround Al in this movie, starting with John Cazale, are potential Cazale award winners. Mm-hmm. And um, you know. You know, God bless all of the more modern movies, the 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 Marvels, the Knives Outs, the so forth that are just like packed with stars and stuff like that. But I really do like the like the Serpico Dog Day Afternoon rule of like, let's get one star and then surround them by like these pros pros who just look like regular people. And they're just kind of in it. Like even like, you know, I'd say like Nomadland did some interesting stuff with that by throwing Francis McDormand in with a lot of just regular faces and that kind of thing. And it really worked well. I yeah, think that, totally, yeah. I think the thing too, though, is that like a lot of the people, like Dog Day Afternoon almost feels like this like rare, like it'll be really difficult to emulate something like Dog Day Afternoon ever again, because a part of why all those actors work so well together is that they, I feel like a lot of them were in like the same like uh, theater company together. A lot of them were like uh, contemporaries. Al Pacino yeah. has worked with Penelope Allen and uh, Sully Boyar in the past. Like a lot of those, uh, like it's kind of wild, like um, how many of those actors kind of worked with each other in the 60s and 70s and would consistently work with each other in these films, be it like, you know, you know, yeah, F. Murray Abraham in like Serpico, Scarface, you see him in Looking for Richard. Like it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's crazy. And like that doesn't- We had to see a bunch of them return for Looking for Richard, Al Pacino's, you know, very clear passion vanity project. Yeah. And they're Penelope all coming back to help him out with, and they're all great in it. Yeah. Oh, Penelope Allen is so good in it. It's like, uh, she's like, it's crazy that, uh, it's a shame that she's just isn't as, uh, uh, you know, prevalent as some of the other actors in that squad. But it's also also like Marsha Jean Kurtz is incredible. Oh, God, mm-hmm. she's so good. And uh, I really liked her this time in Dog Day Afternoon. She's the uh, she's like the um, I'd say she's almost like the second most prominent of the uh, bank teller ladies after Penelope Allen. She's the one that like uh, is learning how to flip the gun around and. And mm. is like talking to like the pervert on the phone and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. yeah, she's she's she rocks it, and she was also in uh, the Panic at Needle Park. Like all these guys <laughs> are like recurring dudes. Well, I think that there was this era, and basically almost everybody like Pacino, Hoffman, De Niro, and so forth. They all kind of got their break in movies around twenty nine thirty. Compared to today, actors emerge in movies and TV at like. 18 yeah. or something like that yeah. and so all of them had like a decade of like hand-to-mouth seasoning in off-off broadway plays and that kind of thing so not only did they get to know each other but their chops like they could show up like al pacino does and you know the fucking godfather's his second movie and you know be ready to go and knock it out of the park and be serious and under kind of understand what it took to really act in these things and i think um you know we, we've gotten into it a little bit but like the actors out of england and even australia to an extent they seem to have a lot more um schooling before they emerge you know in movies and stuff like that you know the 
the even to the more modern actors like the Tom Hardys and the Michael Fassbenders of the world, they all went to school for it. Yeah. And, and 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 that shows. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm. <laughs> you know who hates Tom Hardy is Cody. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I can't wait for him to listen to this episode. Um, and I and I out him for for because he thinks <laughs> Tom Hardy because he thinks that Tom Hardy is just like a meathead. And like, yeah, he sometimes plays meatheady characters, but I think Tom Hardy is an incredible actor. He's also I, really good at playing meatheads, and there's nothing, you know. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if that's if that's your if that's yeah, if that's your thing, then you've made a career off of it, then great. But like uh he also plays really charming, suave characters too. You know what I mean? Like a little bit in Inception, he's this, you know, again, yeah, mm-hmm. charming guy. And then you watch the revenant and he's like literally transformed into this grizzly mountainy man with his like weird thick growly voice and i mean he's just he's so captivating and everything that he's in for me personally well i mean think about him in dunkirk where he's wearing a mask the entire time and he's literally his one movement is he's making adjustments with chalk on his dashboard and he you're he's imminently watchable you're like wow he's great in this movie i was just gonna yeah i was gonna reference dunkirk of how a third of that movie is just his eyes yeah I know. <laughs> and, and, him, and him in that cockpit yeah i mean it's incredible. but then when he pops the mask at the end and gets the big movie star moment in front of the fl- the flaming jet and he's got the great yeah. turtleneck on and you're like oh man this is a star he's just got it he's I, just I, got it i would even go so as uh, so far as to say that he's like the current heir apparent to hua like he's kind of like the out of all the current crop of actors you have like you have al pacino and then hua went from al pacino to cage and I think that like the most like the, the Western Kabuki. Oh, um, I'm getting I, I'm getting a knock at the door. Wait a second, it's Nicholas Cage, and he says he's not done. He is not done. He's holding no. on to the throne. <laughs> no, no, Cage, come on. You Wait, gotta two, give it up. Th- two two things. One, I realized we definitely talked about Tom Hardy on the first episode, probably because <laughs> we because I brought up Warrior and how much we love that movie. I- I thought we talked about Warrior and our yeah. shared yeah, yeah. shared so, appreciation of so, Warrior. So sounds like you guys need to do a Tom Hardy season. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, yeah. Another thing, did you guys? And see- the winner is Bronson, no question. Did, did, you guys, <laughs> did you guys see the trailer for that Nicolas Cage movie, Pig? Oh, Patrick I, saw it. I saw it already. You already saw it. It's it's. I'm gonna. Here's my. I've heard it. You, you cry at the end of it. I heard it's gorgeous. I uh, I didn't. Cr- if you're keeping you know, score at home, still wait a second. Here it is. Patrick did not cry on pig for the cry count. Still haven't uh, cried. Uh, uh, without giving away too much, I need to hear what this movie is. <laughs> I'm just gonna say all I'm gonna say. The less you know, the better. I'm going to say though. Uh, I think it's like the one of the best cage. It's almost. I'd say it's almost an Oscar worthy performance. Oh my god! People were laughing in the theaters watching the trailer. They thought it was a joke. You're telling mm-hmm. me this movie has merit. I've, I've heard it's a pretty damn good movie. It's like by I most, went in, by, yeah, yeah. And I I went in thinking it was going to be like one thing. Came out being like, whoa! All these choices, they were great. Okay, awesome. I'm well. I was gonna see it. And I appreciate you not uh, revealing too much. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll go in blind. Yeah, go in blind. Uh, you, know, mm. you know what? This is what go in the way I did. Go in assuming it's just going to be John Wick with a pig. Okay. I mean, that's kind of what it 
that's how it's being sold. In, yeah, in- it's being sold that way. Just take it like that. Go in and think like, eh, it's gonna be John Wick with a pig. It'll be fine, I guess. And like, but go if you go in with that energy. Through, halfway through, he switches faces with the pig. Took his face <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to get we're gonna have to get rid of these love handles, pig. Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I, I I'm dying to see it. I, I want to get out there for that one too. I mean, I think he's um when put in the correct place, mm-hmm. there are very few actors who are better than him. Really? You're that big of a Nick Cage fan? I I yeah. When he's good, he's that good. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I, yeah, a year it was a year ago. About let's just call it a year ago. I I watched Moonstruck. Have you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it? yeah. Uh, that is good. Kind of, that's a really charming, amazing movie. Uh, he and Cher are kind of adorable. Yeah, I kind of fell in love with Cher. I didn't realize that nineteen seventies <laughs> or nineteen eighties. I think it was eighties. I didn't realize that I was going to be so attracted to nineteen eighty Cher, but I was. Cher is like low key. Like she's so good in Silkwood. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, Moonstruck is one of these movies that, like, because it's just well-crafted with good characters, and it's really entertaining, and it just feels like, do they make, like, with a decent budget, though, it's like, that's, like, there's a yearning, I think, for, like, just a good, solid movie of, like, that. Because we watched it in the last year, too, and I had never seen it before, and Hey, it gets an Academy Academy. Um, it's an Academy Academy pick because yeah. I like it too. I think it's a good movie. Um, but you know, I think that it's just you know looking back on these and even like going to the 1980s movies, just there was like this the like, craftsmanship and this quality to putting together a good movie that just didn't seem like it was another piece of content. Mm, yeah, I mean, oh God, you're talking about how actors are not formally trained anymore they're just literally picked off a of fucking like <laughs> like tiktok hunk and babe assembly line <laughs> they're just, they're just I mean, I, into big films with like no real anything it's just like oh you have 20 million followers great here's the lead in the new odyssey biopic well it's that's really tough i mean because i i saw um Earlier this week at the Cannes Film Festival, Matt Damon was giving a talk and he said the biggest regret of his career was he turned down Avatar. And <laughs> but I was thinking about if if he had played the what? lead and if he had played the lead in Avatar, like God bless Sam Worthington. But it's like if Matt Damon, a certifiably a certifiable movie star who yeah. gets the job, had played that like heroic leading role. I mean, I liked, but I think it really, I mean, I think it would have added just a little bit extra juice to that movie. I don't know. What do you think, Patrick? I think so. Like a hundred percent or like a Tom Cruise, even like imagine a Tom Cruise starred Avatar. Like that would be good. If they made Avatar in 1992 and Tom yeah, Cruise was the, the guy. Problem. Yeah. 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 Uh, or if they Irishman him uh, with like really bad 2009 technology. I want to be Irishman when I'm older. I can't wait to. For all of us <laughs> I don't, I don't think. I, I'm God bless him, but I'm not sure if Tom's ego would say that he was old. Like yeah. he was like, <laughs> when you watch that, you know, Top Gun trailer, Tom is in. I mean, I oh, he looks terrific. He, he looks terrific. He, he, he's, a, I mean, let's yeah, let, let's be clear. He's a wackadoo person, but uh, but he is in shape and he's he looks. Cool. 
and he looks good. Like that was the funniest thing about the Top Gun trailer. I was like, oh, it's he's gonna be a teacher who passed the torch. I'm like, no, he's flying all the plane. No, no, yeah. The one thing I give Tom Cruise the the most credit for is the fact that he's so actually stubborn about doing his own stunts and stuff. Um, I appreciate that from again, just a, a person who wants to be great at their craft and mm-hmm. make an authentic experience for the viewer. Like I'm he's really about- committed to the idea of like movie magic in the movies and that you kind of know thing. What? That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I, I love that. That is the only thing about Tom Cruise that I like. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't, he's a, I mean, strange guy but also i don't i don't know what it's like to have been a megastar for decades upon it decades hurts, and it? have no one say no to you and it, you know radiation and, to your brain it's not it's, it i don't can't be good i have no idea what any of that means i know that he has given me throughout my life a lot of joy in a lot of movies and uh that's all i know about old cruise but um i think <laughs> old cruise old, old cruise i i know that um when my dad got a big screen tv and a surround sound system when we were kids that he was super proud of uh he tested it out via the film days of thunder which was very exciting i remember we all sat around because it's got the race cars yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that and was looking he's like oh this would be loud and then we watched terminator 2 right after that to test it even further. And it was a wonderful evening of movies. Oh, oh, hear me, hear, hear me. Here's a crazy thing. Uh, Sam Worthington's still an avatar, but Tom Cruise is in it. He's the portrait role. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, great, great. Uh, I mean, I he's love, um, I really, I really like Stephen Lang in it, but yeah, like Cruise is the villain like in crazy, Avatar. like avatar scar, like, uh, yeah. Uh, I love that you guys are remembering this movie like it wasn't just a blip on everyone's radar 25 years ago. Like, when, I'm sorry, James, when are the next freaking Avatars coming out? It's been so long. Like, Soon. I, yeah. I never really cared that much. I got stoned out of my mind for the first Avatar and saw it in 3D like an obnoxious piece of shit. And, you know, it was an experience. You know, I, was- I, I imagine at this point that James Cameron has just like an island in New Zealand where he is basically like, you know, the God Lord. Like he just like, he has no, like he has all jurisdiction. He can do whatever he wants. Cause he's been filming in like, you know, New Zealand the, um, for like five years, 10 years. Well, the, the principal photography is done. Yes. And now the, it's the effects, which obviously take a pretty extended period of time. <laughs> so he so, did all the filming for his fake animated movie, and now it's going to be visual effects for another five years. Yeah, years? supposedly part two comes out next Christmas, not 2021 Christmas, but 2022 Christmas. I, I might be dead by then. Like, he's going to save yeah. fucking movies is what he's going to do. <laughs> he's just so full of himself, and it's not even that. I mean, I don't know. I, I have no idea why... It, I, I mean, I like him just in the sense that he is like the last person in cinema doing like like Fitzcarraldo esque crazy like madman. Like I can't think of any other director that does like like this level of like just chaotic. I guess maybe like you know maybe like Darinovsky with Noah. I, I think know. that um, I mean I think Mad Max Fury Road fits that bill speaking of tom hardy um oh my god another one of my favorite movies of the past 10 years uh, an absolute 
Stone Cold Masterpiece. That, you, that is, I was, okay, sorry to detract, but that was <laughs> one of the most like effective experiences I've had in a movie theater in my entire life. What I mean by that is I was completely, I was, I was sunken into my seat for the two hours. I was completely transfixed to the screen. Uh, it was an amazing movie experience. Like I'm not going to watch Mad Max on my 13 inch laptop, but in a theater surrounded by people with the visuals and the sound, oh my God, it was, I mean, the closest thing to like a religious experience yeah. I think that I've had. Well, I know that um, one of like, Academy Academy favorite Steven Soderbergh said that um, <laughs> he's, he's like, I've made like 25, 30 movies. I don't know how they made Mad Max Fury Road. Like I cannot break down the math of what it was. And he's like, that's amazing. He's like, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible because it's basically, you know, it's like the way um, Jackie Chan does fight scenes where it's like yes. just one shot at a time. And it just takes, I mean, obviously like I'm talking like eighties Jackie Chan, not probably 2020 Jackie Chan, but um like, and it's basically on Fury Road. It's like these one, like two second moments over, like for nine months. But also you're in the middle of the fucking African desert while you're doing all of it. I mean, it's just the level of commitment and patience and belief in a complete, and George Miller's vision is complete and just all encompassing. A hundred percent. I'm always in awe of, of directors or auteurs or anyone who uh, they just put their, you can really see them pouring their heart and soul into their work like that, wh where the vision is totally raw, unfiltered. And it's like, this is how I intended it for you to watch it. And mm -hmm. that's not always the case when you see content, when you go to the movies. No. And I mean, I think like that, I mean, that, I think that that really is like what you're looking for is that complete control of tone. Like, and actually to get us back on track, I think it's <laughs> really actually quite present in Dog Day Afternoon. It's not as um, technically like over the top, but everything Lament does, every camera move, every performance choice, you know, the entire scheme of Nick, you briefly touched on it, but the entire idea of like, the bank being a um, almost like a theater stage and kind of the staging within the bank and all the, and how the characters move within and how Pacino moves within the bank. And to get back to the camera work of uh, um, Victor J. Kemper, they kind of almost modern handheld style that they're going, you don't see a lot of handheld like this in seventies um, movies or earlier. And it really like, it gives you this, pseudo documentary almost feel to it all the way through and it gives you the feeling like you're in with Sonny and Sal so much that I, you know you get to the end of the movie you're like I don't think this is gonna go well but I still am like I'm hoping for these guys and yeah. they're taking it as far as you can get it with this with that attitude I, I will say when watching the film, there were, I mean, I, again, I stand by that. I loved this movie. It was, it was one of the best movies I've seen in recent memory. And, but I couldn't help but feel like some of the moments between the, the cops slash FBI and, and, uh, and Al and, and, uh, and his, his partner there, it felt a little almost too light, too comical at mm. times. I just feel like if this scenario were to play out 
now <laughs> in 2021. <laughs> I just don't see this. I don't see it going down like that. You know, uh, there's so many moments where they're giving, I'm just being critical of. of no, I mean, it's, it's in, in 2021, it's Den of Thieves. No, I mean, just like there, but there, there's, yeah. I, I will say the movie does a really good job of uh, not normalizing, but, um, you know, endearing you to Al's character, right? And the more that you discover about him and his personal life, um, you, he's a very, clearly he's very sensitive and he's emotional and he's going through a lot of shit. And, and yeah, you as, I mean, that's, that is the goal of the director. That's the goal of the film. If the film can get you to root for the quote unquote bad guy in the story, then th- someone's doing their job correctly. Yeah. Because, you know, you're endeared to Al in, in some ways, and, and, and the tellers, the other bank employees also kind of seem to be enjoying his company and, and find him to be this whatever attractive, charismatic person. But the I, point is, yeah, I just yeah. I thought that was really well done because it's really easy to make that character hated, I guess. Yeah. A hundred percent. I would say that like uh, one thing I noticed too, like um, watching this film this time, it almost feels like this movie to a certain degree, especially watching it, like I watched this movie and Donnie Brasco back to back and watching this movie, um, it almost feels like the end of like the era of empathy or like, <laughs> the, like it just, it feels like this represent. it feels like uh, this, it's like the sign of like the old ways dying and like the new like slick corporate ways coming in um, where relationships between people Cause like I think there was like a time when shit was more like you know uh, the what's that fucking show with um, Don Knotts uh, Andy Griffith yeah like the, when life yeah exactly when life was like the fucking Andy Griffith show when everyone knew their local con- milkman and fucking constable and shit and things could be like and things <laughs> would often get like talked out and shit I I truly do like think I think things would like you know I think there was like a time when like you know my grandpa talks about times when like you know, uh, maybe not him, but he's like talked about how like uh, I've had family members talk about when like they were you know younger, like they did shit, like you know they drove drunk or whatever, and like the the local sheriff or whatever was like, I'm just gonna like help you get home, and like you know because I know you, like you know we have an established relationship or we're from the same neighborhood, and I think like that like that style of living like died in like the mid 70s. I truly oh, do the mega corporations and the facelessness of it all. Certainly. I think, um, yeah, well that's like, and that's represented through the the difference between how Charles Durning handles things and how James Broderick handles things. That's true as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, Moretti is trying to develop a relationship while, um, you know, brought, uh, Sheldon is just kind of preparing to shoot Sal. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's, like, it's fucking business and that's the quickest way to get shit done properly. Uh, yeah, but I mean, so- like I, you know, even on the broader thing though, like how quaint it is, because like I'm, you know, we all know I'm a big fan of Heat and so forth. So I, every bank I've ever gone into, I've looked around and been like, okay, how would you take this place? <laughs> like, uh, you know, just out of, but I'm like, you can't rob a bank these days. You're not. Yeah, I mean, oh, they, no, I, I mean no. it's just, it's just, uh, you know, the coin, the criminal behavior is boring. 
That's why um, cell phones and the internet ruin good crime movies. But oh, um, man, I saw like it's so funny. I saw that trailer for the movie Silk Road, and they do such a, a uh, they do such a like they're trying so hard to make Silk Road look super intense and like even though like ninety five percent of that movie. It's just a fucking dude sitting on his ass. Well, this is why. Um, yeah, this like, is why. As many people, we talked about it with Christina. As many people who were complaining about Chris Hemsworth being a little too fit and a little too hunky to be a genius hacker in Black Hat, because Michael Mann was like, "Computers are boring. He's got to beat people up with his fists by the end of this movie." <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and all the hackers in Black Hat are also really good with guns and fighting because that's more cinematic than somebody typing on a damn computer or plugging yeah. shit into their cell phone. Yeah, I mean, like even this, the like the quaintness of like, oh, I'm on TV and just kind of the way the phones work and all of that, it makes it for much more to me like the tension and kind of like capturing kind of the personal connections and has the personal connections build i mean the most heartbreaking part of this movie is when one of the tellers is like don't be afraid of your first flight sal right before he oh, gets God. shot that was, that was so sad she hands him her cross around her neck yeah and yeah because i mean i think the tellers must understand that shit's gonna go down at some point and there's a good chance that both of these guys, especially obviously when when Al was writing his will, or, mm-hmm. or rather, um, you know, uh, verbally, uh, whatever, reciting it, um, you, you, yeah, they feel. I, I think that's what I liked about the movie is that there wasn't this immediate fear between all the characters, where you 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 as an audience member are feeling very one way or the other. Like a lot of movies now they'll force you to feel some way. They'll mm-hmm. force you to feel a certain way about a character. Like you love them or you hate them. But movies, and this is a great example where they just give you more whatever diversity of emotions of how you feel towards all the players. It just gives you a more nuanced, interesting experience as, as a movie goer. So when you see these characters all acting, as you pointed out, very empathetic toward one another, even given the, the circumstance that they're all in together, um, it, it humanized it instead of just making it some, I don't know, brutal. It could, have, it could have been such a brutal movie. And I know it's based on a true story. So clearly this is loosely, you know, how it went down probably, but, you know, it could have just been like a really brutal, intense movie, but instead it's a movie about, you know, uh, so so many other things. I mean, it's, it's really. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think you you summed it up nicely though. It's it's a very human movie, yeah. for yeah. as over the top as it is at times. It's a very human movie, and it's like you're right. Like a movie like this, like the quote unquote like crime movie today, everybody would be gritting their teeth and screaming at each other and um, would be rather humorless more than likely. And the fact that like the comp, how (sighs) Sonny is such a complicated character. He's not a good guy, but he's human enough that you sympathize with his flaws. And, And he and Sal are so childlike in their innocence and the idea that they're just going to be able to pull this off and 
take yeah. care of it. And they're totally in from the second we meet them over their heads and it just gets worse, yeah. but they, you know, in their own way, cause Sal is a strange, like, and you know, what hangs over the entire thing is that they're both Vietnam veterans and they're both have PTSD and they're both have seen a lot of violence already that has left them in Sal and kind of this childlike fugue state and sunny in this very, um, delusions of grandeur kind of state you know what i don't even know if sal has uh gone to vietnam because he does say at one point that he's never been on a plane before that's yeah, true right. yeah and i think and i think that character but i do believe that character has gone to prison and yeah he's definitely like he's 100 percent damaged goods and uh watching it this time around his like the lack of control he has over anything in his life was so much more apparent to me. There were so many times where like, it'd be like him on the sidelines while Sonny was like, you know, duking it out with uh, Charles Durning or James Broderick, where I'm like, don't you want to like have a say in any of this Sal? Like you're so like, he's just such a victim. The other thing, he is a victim because I mean, on the outside too, like, Every one of the cops is completely under the impression that Sal's the trigger happy guy that they have to like, yeah, take care of. That he's the violent one, mm-hmm. and he but, he might be, but he, <laughs> I, I, yeah, but I, he's I, also just he's just damaged goods. No, no, no. I mean, but I, I, if I'm a, if I'm a cop, if I'm one of those cops in this in this movie, I am looking <laughs> at Sal and I'm thinking, oh yeah, we got to take him out. <laughs> he, oh, yeah. he looks like a deer in headlights, and that's mm-hmm. the most. I mean. Obviously, the tension building up in that the shuttle to the airport where the FBI driver keeps on saying, like, hey, put Boy, your hold your gun up. Put the whole, hold the, you know, push the gun up in case we hit a bump, you don't shoot me in the back of the head. You can tell, and obviously everyone is now just filthy, soaking wet in like sweat. But you know, they're they're terrified. He's terrified. So yeah, people who are terrified and nervous and scared, that's true. That's very those, true. Those, those are the people you gotta look out for in life you know, in general in life, but especially when they're holding a gun. Interesting dog day afternoon. Fun fact, uh, shot in the winter. So it's actually quite cold uh, during all the exterior scenes. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that kind of, that kind of, that, that makes sense. But uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this like $3.8 million budget. You said, mm -hmm. God, that's such a low budget. I mean, I granted, I know that was the mid seventies, but still, I feel like what would that be the equivalent of now? 25 million i can look that up yeah you guys, you guys talk but i yeah but i i i really like the fact that the, the this movie you know we had the you're the third person to come on and chat about it yeah. uh two out of the three had not seen it before including you yeah and it's just it has despite being you know closing in on you know being over 40 years old such a palpable emotion and energy to it that it's really nice to see like i'm always happy when older movies kind of um play super well yeah um, I mean, with continue to continue to have that energy and that life to them i yeah i hear you i've always heard about this movie i've always heard of dog day afternoon i just knew i didn't know anything about it and just then, uh, just really the uh, 30 3.5 million dollars 1975 would have been like almost uh 18 million dollars today so that's such a that's low still, that's a low budget that's, still that's incredibly low budget considering uh but that's why i love but yeah uh, that's why i love especially love movies that have that like that single location i mean this movie yeah. took, 
this an hour and 45 minutes of this movie was in one location. I mean, two locations, if you include mm-hmm. the exterior of the bank and, and maybe like the barbershop across the street. But I mean, for the most part, it's just that one location. And I love it. I love you know, it. Patrick, another one location movie. I mean, Larry Gigli's apartment in the film <laughs> Gigli. <laughs> A cursed apartment that should be set on like, fire. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I tweeted something or either. I can't remember if I tweeted this or texted to you, but it was like it felt like watching Gigli felt like I was like releasing a dibbuk into my household, like a, an evil spirit into my household. It's like the, the, the video cassette. It's a video cassette in the ring. It's yeah. kind of, he has oh those, has those vibes to it. I'm going to, I'm going to like see the, uh, the rap, the uh, Justin Bartha rapping in his horribly offensive voice. And it's, it's like, it's like they saw fucking what's eating Gilbert grape. And the one thing they got from it was like Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio. He was, he was wacky as fuck in this movie. Let's like, uh, kill me. <laughs> but also what if, what if Johnny Depp and what's eating Gilbert grape was a, awful homophobic racist Ugh. ableist asshole just like, who we are supposed to feel an endearing quality to in ben affleck I have, <laughs> I have a whole like i have like i said i have a whole thing i cannot wait for that episode tomorrow because i have i have so much to say i'm gonna keep it i'm gonna keep it because i could literally spend two hours talking I mean, about geely we're gonna make it's gonna come up on every episode oh, for the rest of the academy academy yeah. oh, is the <laughs> is the is the, I mean, it's a soul, sh- like to quote Mr. Show, it's a soul shattering experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, but it's man. also like, you know, when it's going on, you're like, man, I can't believe this is real. We'll, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah. oh, but, you know, we, we just mentioned uh, once eating Gilbert Grape, Johnny Depp. Mm. Uh oh. How about Donnie Brasco moving into that? <laughs> 1997's Donnie Brasco, directed by Mike Newell. Screenplay by Paul Atanasio, based on Donnie Brasco, My Undercover Life in the Mafia by Joseph D. Pistone and Richard Woodley, starring, I noticed this this time around, Al Pacino actually gets um, top billing for this movie, which I found interesting. Al Pacino, Johnny Depp, Michael Madsen, Bruno Kirby, James Russo, and Anne Heche. The budget was $35 million for this one, uh, made a tidy $124.9 million at wow. the box office. Wow. So not too bad. Uh, has an 88% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, critical consensus reads, a stark, nuanced portrait of life in organized crime, bolstered by strong performances from Al Pacino and Johnny Depp. This film was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay at the Academy Awards. That was its only nomination, although I think I would have liked to see a Best Supporting Actor nomination for our friend Al Pacino in this movie. But Nick, we'll start with you. Had you seen Donnie Brasco before? No, I had not seen this one either. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> but but not as much as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I judge me judge 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 me but i'm a huge johnny depp fan he was like one of my i don't know if you can call like actor crushes when i was a kid i was like always like loved the movies he was in he always played kooky characters and stuff anyway i was really looking forward to seeing like a younger johnny depp in something uh i just didn't care for i don't know i didn't care for his role his acting in this i don't know why 
he's I think he's a fantastic actor, but I just didn't care for it. I thought Al Pacino was great in it. Um, overall, the movie, I, I I think I have an issue with certain '90s films. <laughs> I don't know mm. what it is. I th- first of all, it's such a weird thing to point out. The score, the music in this movie was very odd. Uh, I didn't care for it. And it, at times it took me out of it. I, I can't explain it other than the musical choices were odd. Whoever did the music, bad. Oh, Don't- well, I mean, Patrick Doyle, he's not happy with those comments. Patrick Doyle <laughs> was the composer and he's he's pissed. Old, old we'll Mr. Okay. Doyle. Sorry, sorry, sorry to him. Um, yeah. You might not know this, but uh, Patrick Gremion uh, is not Patrick's real name. Oh, no. he, you did dabble in the 1990s in film composition, and your name is Patrick Doyle. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, I was. Uh, he I was had to join young. Joe Pistone and uh, witness protection. <laughs> I was, I was a little precocious for my age. Yeah, when I was like seven, I did the uh, the score for Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. You did the <laughs> score for Donnie Brasco, and. Yeah. Um, you know, as an eight-year-old, I mean, I, I think, Nick, you could agree for an eight-year-old, he did okay, but if he was an adult, <laughs> yeah. the score just doesn't have that swing yeah, that I, you were I, looking I, for. <laughs> eight-year-old, fantastic work. Um, I didn't care for, I mean, look, I, I did not enjoy, I, I enjoyed the film. It was not a bad movie, but there were certain things like the treatment of uh, the violence and the gore in it felt silly. Um, it's kind of wild. The jarring, yeah, it's jarring. Well, it's jarring, and especially for it's 97, right? 97, yeah, like it looks like it has gore from like the 80s or the early 90s. Like 97, we could have had, I think, better a better aesthetic look for all this to make it look a little more realistic or less. I don't know. I just I got taken out of it a couple times where I was like, uh, the believability of this is I'm not, I don't know if I'm, if I'm like. I mean, here's my question. What did you think of the uh, the climactic, uh, the double cross scene? Yeah, that is uh, on the at the boat at the on the like the um, not, not the boat. This is the part where like everyone goes in. They're gonna be killing. So they think they're gonna be killing Sonny Black, but then yeah. like Sonny Black has the light off or whatever. He turns on the light and starts shooting all the like it's like the scene right before they're hacking everyone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, I love that. I was I thought that's what they were gonna do. It made perfect sense that they're like, we have to make a stop before. And I knew that's what they were gonna do. They're gonna go whack off that other guy since they blew up the the Miami club thing for that. Right. Um yeah, I mean, it's just I don't know. I I there's some good moments, and I thought the acting was good. Like I said, I think Al Pacino was fantastic. And I, I enjoyed the moment, that scene where, and look, Johnny wasn't horrible in this and Haisha is great, but she's always a really good actress. Um, uh, I don't know. I just couldn't get down with Johnny's character. So because of that, I kind of didn't, I just didn't like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm the type of person, if I can't like empathize with the character, then I don't like the performance. I know that sounds, it's not the correct approach, but just kind of like I can't separate the two in my head. Um, I just didn't know why he was such an asshole to his wife and his kids, uh, and so because of that, I was kind of like, I, I don't get this. I don't understand. Um, but all the scenes with Al were great. I mean, really, like he definitely should have gotten a nomination for best supporting actor for this. Then again, I don't know, you know, what else was out that year in '97. I have no idea what other 
movies this was going up against. But um, yeah, overall, good movie. But Dog Day Afternoon, definitely enjoyed that a lot more. I, I think um, this time around, Donnie Brasco, well, I think it's an enjoyable film, but it, it you know, it goes back to actually something we were just talking about with like George Miller or even Stephen or even Sidney Lumet. Um, there's like a very specific voice to the movies that are like, oh, like I think are kind of over the top in their quality. Uh-huh. Like well, specific creator's voice. Um, Donnie Brasco feels rather faceless to me. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's hitting the notes it needs to hit. Like there's the, there's the making money montage. There's the clubs. There's all the great character actors. There's the fun lines and stuff like that. And it does what it needs to do, but it doesn't have like, I use the word panache mm. that like Goodfellas has or oh, yeah. uh, Mean Streets or Godfather or the other kind of big or even Scarface or Carlito's Way. Yeah. Um, that those movies have. Like there's like, hundred percent, and I think that that kind of makes it feel like it's a little paint by numbersy for like for a gangster movie. I think it's fun. I think that I really like the um, something we've talked about before, Patrick. Kind of the decrepit quality of the gangs in this movie. Like they all are losers. Like (laughs) even the way, even the people who like make like they're like these assholes who are just like all they can really do is kill their friends. They have no. They're like practically all impotent. And they just sit around and bitch and complain until they have to shoot each other. And there's nothing like, there's certainly no like Lufthansa heist in Donnie Brasco that makes the thing. Oh man, they actually like got their act together and they pulled off something kind of smart or whatever. (laughs) Like it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, this is like the, criminal rust belt this is like yeah uh, yeah it just yeah you get the sense that like yeah they're at the end of like their game here yeah like this is not this is not the corleone family in like the no. 1950s like in beautiful like sepia tone riding high like a wonderful like the, these guys if they're throwing a wedding party it's gonna be in like the basement of the oaks club yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, well and it's like the, yeah it's like all the people that like yeah, all the Corleones at this point have gotten their money and gotten out. Like, yeah, this is like um uh yeah. this is what would happen if Vincent Mancini from Godfather 3 started running the organization completely. Oh yeah, if fucking uh yeah, if the Andy fat, Garcia fat, fat, fat Tony too, or like the what's it's like Joey uh Oh yeah, Joe uh Mantagna's character who yeah. I'm forgetting his Joey Zaza. Joey Zaza. Joey Zaza. Yeah, it's like yeah. this is like yeah, this is like yeah, this is just like a gaggle of Joey Zazas and it's it's super grim. Gag- yeah, it's <laughs> it, it is and I and I do like that and I like our discovery over watching yeah. all these movies just how grim the lives of all of the gangsters and all uh, the gangster movies are like yeah there's there's this idea like oh man we're gonna be like rock i mean like tony montana shoots manny his best friend like it's it not sucks. a fun place to be it and sucks. then like he has weird fantasies about his sister it's crazy it that, is crazy or even 
even if you think you're going to get away and you're Carlito and you're trying to head off to the Bahamas with Gail and Gail and you're going to, and you get shot by John Leguizamo. Yeah. <laughs> and let's be real. Like, yeah, it is just like, yeah, it's not a world of Scarfaces and Corleones. It's a I mean, world it, of Zazas and Lalines. Like, yes, is, yes. Yeah. 100%. It, it is. Yeah. It's and a bunch of dudes in wheelchairs if, going, my diaper. If we le- if we learned anything, if you're throwing a Donnie Brasco poster up in your dorm room thinking oh, you're yeah. hot shit, that's a bummer of a life, man. You're not <laughs> yeah, you're you're certified. Throw up an insider poster. You know, yeah, you know, like look up, look up to Lowell Bergman. That's a hero. Yeah, throw up a, a sea of love poster. That's you know what? A good guy. Throw up a throw up a spotlight poster. You want to be on a team yes. spotlight heroes. Yes. Modern heroes. No, I don't think Sia Sia Love Patrick is a we haven't watched it yet, but maybe soon. Ooh. Um is an erotic thriller. Ooh. Oh, we have not I don't think we've dealt with the erotic thriller on the okay, Academy well, Academy. Well, yet. What about if you have like a, you know, if you have like a you know, take if 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 you're like take down your Lola Bunny poster, then put up the Sea of Love. Yeah, I, that, I think that's, I, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, if Al Pacino hypothetically ever played a really inspiring high school teacher, that's the <laughs> kind of poster you should put up. Yeah. <laughs> he never did, but yeah, you know. and, the, and the alternate reality where he had like where where Robin, Robin Williams and Al Pacino had their careers switched. Yeah, or Al Pacino took a shiv to Richard Dreyfus and got Mr. Holland and Mr. Holland's opus. Okay, that movie would be so much better if Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say that I like. I love Richard Dreyfus, but like Mr. Holland's opus would slap so hard if Crazy <laughs> Al, if Weird Al was in that film. We're going to conduct a high school symphony. <laughs> so I, I'm reading some trivia right now on Donnie Brasco mm-hmm. and a couple things. So I guess the, the writer there, who Joseph Pistone, who like the character is named after. Yeah, the real guy. Yeah, the real guy. He said claims that the movie is 85% accurate, quote, it portrayed the mob the way it is. Just thinking about how sad the mob must be if this was a true portrayal. Uh, But another interesting thing that popped up that I saw that said Al Pacino was originally going to play Brasco. Oh, wait. When he switched to Lefty, he recommended Johnny for the role. Interesting. That is interesting. Because, you know, Al Pacino's in his. 80s now and he was if i'm not mistaken in his 50s being in his late he, 50s when they or mid to late 50s when he yeah, did he was this one late 50s when he did this and and i don't yeah i mean that would have been an interesting choice to have the the donnie character be he's a, way too that's way too old that's yeah. just bottom I, line way I, too I agree. old and i also agree that i think johnny is too pretty of a face for this role mm-hmm. um, yeah i mean we did a few last time around i don't know if you've got any pitches nick for um substitutes for johnny in the part oh, of donnie well i okay i'm trying to think okay the problem is i have to put my i have to think of actors of that age at that time so there must have been actors born in the mid to late 60s is that right like how old is that character supposed to be like 35 yeah, yeah. so some point in the six like because i think johnny depp's probably born in like 64 Four sixty-five, something like that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's born mid sixties. I'm trying to think of who would have been a better choice. Definitely someone who wasn't as yeah as like cute as Johnny. Yeah, like I think the, the the pitch we had last time around was John Cusack. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, 
I like that. Well, I'm a big John Cusack fan too. So I, I could always watch him on screen. I forget what he looked like when he was younger, but he was, yeah, he's. Well, this is right around the same time as Gross Point Blank. Right, right, right. Uh, I'm trying to think. Dan, Dan Aykroyd in the Donnie Brasco role would be, oh be kind of good. <laughs> I, I kind of uh, like that. I would like to see Danny, uh, Danny Aykroyd, I'm calling him Danny, yep. as a sunny red. I think he'd be very funny. <laughs> He's constantly just uh, talking about aliens <laughs> and like uh, trying to shill his uh, crystal skull vodka, which rules. I love that about Dan Aykroyd that he sells a. I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I'm a Dan Aykroyd fan. I saw on Belushi, Jim Belushi's amazing Twitter feed that Dan Dan stopped by Belushi's weed farm the other day, and there was photos of them like at the weed harvesting weed together. It's just. You love to see it. The meeting you really of do. It's like yeah. when it's like when uh, Socrates hung out with uh, Aristotle. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I love. Um, I I think Tarantino shared it on another podcast, but he was talking about he's apparently friendly with Dan Aykroyd, and <laughs> Dan Aykroyd texted him after seeing it once upon a time in Hollywood. He goes. Yes, you sure fucked those hippies up. It was like his text. Yeah, he, he's fun in sneakers. I watch sneakers. I, I I like him. I mean, we are we are we looking at an Ackroyd Assance? Perhaps give you it know, to me. Give it to bring it on. Bring it on. He could play. Um, I don't know somebody somebody's dad in the Marvel universe. Who yeah, shit. And one of them, yeah, Loki, Loki's dad. I don't yeah, know. I've never seen it. Loki <laughs> senior, yeah. Dan Aykroyd. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he can play. Uh, he can play D man. That's like a Some, character no one gives a shit about. Yeah, who who knows? But yeah. yeah, put him in a Marvel movie. He's great. Um, yeah. Speaking of great, though, I mean, this is another one. I mean, like all Al Pacino movies, we've talked about it before. The supporting cast of Donnie Brasco is stacked. Yes. With du- with dudes of note, yeah, I mean, a lot, lot of guys, a lot of guys in this Just movie. Just dudes being dudes, you know. Dudes being dudes, and I mean, you know, you love to see it. I I think that though, in terms of the dudes being dudes, Donnie Brasco is also a little bit weaker compared to like uh Scorsese's dudes being dudes. Oh, yeah. Really yeah. knock it out of the park every time. These these guys, I mean. I mean, I'm a big Michael Madsen fan. I'm a big Bruno Kirby fan. I, you know, I love all that. I think yeah. that, um, you know, we've, we, we, we would have loved to see more Giamatti. We oh my God. Loved I was going to more say, Nelson. <laughs> every, every movie now has to have a scene where Paul Giamatti is trying to open up a, a foamy beer. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's, he does like the, he does a, and then it starts overflowing. And he's like, oh, oh my guys, every, you know. He has like three, he has like three lines in the movie, maybe four, and I I can't help but smile. I love Paul Giamatti. He should have played Lefty's son. That would have been so funny. My loser's son. Wait, yeah. that would have been perfect. That makes sense. Well, yeah. I, oh, yeah. It doesn't even need to be a drug addict. He just needs to be Paul Giamatti. <laughs> uh, but I, I was noticing this time around. I mean, that scene at the hospital, Pacino yes. does not look at the camera. As he's crying once, as he's crying, and it's yeah. so good. It's so good. It's, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say that was one of the more effective scenes in the movie for me, for both Johnny's character and for Al, but especially Al breaking, kind of having those glimpses of 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 breaking, meaning of uh, 
getting really raw and emotional about what's happening to his yeah. friend. Uh, I always love that. I, I, and I appreciate that in a lot of Al's performances, like, and also in, in, in um, oh my God, in, in Dog Day, you know, him kind of getting choked up or teary-eyed or, or understanding the reality of what's happening around him. I, I appreciate those choices that, that he makes as an actor. But I, I enjoyed that scene. And I liked it for Johnny's character too, because he, that was a moment where he didn't necessarily have to show up, but he wanted to, as a friend, as an actual friend, not just as a paid FBI informant. He doesn't say it until the very last scene with Anne Heche, but it's like, it it maybe needs to be said almost earlier in the movie, this idea of like, I'm doing this because I don't want to see this guy lefty die. I care about this guy. And if I, if this is over, lefty is dead. Bottom line. I, I, I agree with you. I think that needed to be brought up the stakes for Johnny. That's to- the emotional crux of the entire movie is yeah, and, his and, conflict there. Yeah. And that, yeah, and that conflict needs to be brought up sooner so you can better kind of empathize with his character to understand. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I, it's so funny. I will say like, so this is the, I watched it this time. I'm going to give you guys a, a I'm going to admit something. I was under oh. the influence of two beers. Oh no! Oh, I went there. I I I, I drank the you know I drank it's Christian weed beer. Uh, hashtag, what did you I don't, what? I don't know. Weed? Did you Chris, say Christian weed? Christian weed. Yes. I don't know. Well, how, is, how is beer Christian weed? Don't judge me. I really <laughs> like. I really. Christian Christian Weed sounds right. like like the fourth lead of the Twilight movies, like some uh, actor I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah. A guy who's now doing like uh like yeah B grade movies. He's a, he's a real hunk, but now he's like doing those. Yeah, he's doing those action movies with Bruce Willis in Bulgaria. Yeah, where he's like, it's like he's third build, but he's actually the lead. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bruce Willis is in one scene and he doesn't get out of a chair. <laughs> It's like him on Zoom. It's just Bruce on Zoom, like just like, hey, I love you, son, and then just like. like, So who are we? Are we battling mafia? Are we battling terrorists this time around? Terrorists? Okay, got it. Got Got it. it. Yeah. All right. Oh, we gotta stop the terrorists. All right. I'm done. That's my scene. (laughs) You know my Venmo account, and then just edit back to the movie. (laughs) Bruce underscore Willis six. Unfortunately, there were five Bruce Willis's before he got his Venmo account. He was a little late. Oh no! Uh, But uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I watched. uh, I watched. uh, Yeah, I had some beer, and like, uh, it's one of those things where like it was funny because like I haven't like you know been drinking a lot in quarantine so like this is like the first time in a while where i've had like just like you know two beers and it kind of had like a little bit of an effect on me luckily i had a burrito and that kind of like neutralized it but uh (laughs) but like pre-burrito when i was watching it i'm gonna say this right now the al pacino scenes really uh like really stood out to me i was kind of like oh man this guy's really good in this and i love it he's really good in it he's He's really really good yeah and it's like um although here's the thing though like he's great in the scene in the uh we're in the um in the hospital and it makes perfect sense why we don't see his face it makes a hundred like it's like you're not supposed to see his face and he sells it I really wish we got one tear, just like one Pacino <laughs> tear. If we could have gotten just like one, because I feel like his character is like that vulnerable, and it would make sense for his character just at one. He should have been. He should have been crying at the bow. Yeah, 
Honestly, or somewhere, or like at the very end when he's like in his little suit. Uh, oh my God, at the end when he goes back to like his wardrobe to take off all of his like jewelry and put his wall away. And he's like leaving everything behind for his wife because he knows he's like walking to his funeral. Oh, it's so that, that was That's so good. Cool. Yeah. That was good. That was again like mwah, very yeah. effective. It ruled. Yeah, that was great. No, he, he is the best part of this movie. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like like Dog Day Afternoon. Yes, he's fantastic in that. But there's so many other great things going on in that film that overall that's just a great piece. But for this movie, for Donnie Brasco, Brasco is it Brasco? Brasco? What is it? Uh, you know. I think it's like Brasco. Uh... I would say, like, I would argue, Nick, to your to your point, to just support your point, I would argue this movie would be better if it was from Lefty's perspective and, like, the amount of time, screen time Johnny Depp had, they shifted it to, like, if they made Al Pacino the lead, like, 100% the lead. Yeah, they, they cut to, like, for, like, a seven-minute scene with him in couples therapy with Anne Heche that I think they thought was really funny in a dark way and it's just kind of a bummer that yeah. entire scene although i like the guy who plays the uh, zach grenier great actor yeah he's good i like yeah. him too yeah who what which, which guy uh zach the guy who plays the uh, therapist or the oh 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 yeah which yeah, is, uh, I didn't... oh sorry sorry Patrick. i was just gonna say like i didn't notice that the first two times i watched the movie i think and he's like uh he's really good in devs i think that's like the thing i like him in the most oh. he plays the bad guy and he's um He's the isn't he the guy that Edward Norton kicks the shit out of himself in front of hit the boss in Fight Club too yes. I believe oh. yeah he's a good like he's yeah. a good like corporate stooge yeah no I mean he's like what you want out of a good supporting actor mm-hmm. but yeah I, I agree like I think Al's performance really really shines through he really gets Lefty I think Lefty is really a fascinating character because you don't really see the guy at the bottom of the heap in these mob movies all that often and like i mean it's so telling that the photo going down the cork board yeah yeah. in the in the in the making money montage and then the scene on the boat i really love the scene on the boat where he's watching madsen and johnny depp talking with the big boss and he he's not he's not even invited there and it was his deal he loves boats you know we got all this we got all this lefty knowledge i mean i think like the thing it's such a good gauge (laughs) you know we've had the movie on Three times over the last few months in the house. Yes. Jen has been in and out of the room whenever it's been on. And this third time around, she goes, oh, poor lefty. Oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's really the like emotional takeaway of this. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's a murderer and he's a bad guy, but it's like, yeah, he, he's old and he never got respect. And he was a yeah. good company man. This is, he yeah, I mean. This could be a he's but he is a dipshit too. Yeah, he's a loser. And we've said it before. Al is maybe the greatest character, made the greatest actor alive at playing losers. He is so good at it, and he's so like usually actors are not into the idea of playing someone who isn't good at their job or is kind of like a like like even Sonny in Dog Day Afternoon fails he doesn't get the job done he's a bad bank robber he's like might have some charm to him but he's a bad bank robber he's in over his head um you know scarecrow he's just this poor innocent rube basically who gets 
run over by the by that you know yeah. bully bully gene hackman yeah, Larry, um, yeah irl shrek gene hackman yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah as we all i mean as we all know you know academy academy canon uh scarecrow was the main influence on the film shrek yes um <laughs> they watched that movie and they're like what if uh al pacino well, was a donkey <laughs> Yeah, but I think yeah, and I think you know he plays powerful people, and you know in the '90s certainly post Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade, he stopped playing those those kind of guys a little bit more. He was a little bit more like Vincent Hanna in Heat or whatever, you know, like Super Cop Vincent Hanna. But he's just so good at vulnerability. He's so good at playing kind of beaten down guy trying to get by trying to make the right moves but it just isn't happening for him yeah he has that look in his face and his eyes like he kind of has that sad little boy like this weird little sad little boy eyes or face mm-hmm. behind all the roles and both both him and Kazale have it in dog day afternoon to a t they, they do feel like you're right like little boys who've come in to rob this bank at yeah. times yeah but even yeah but even you know, Al in his fifties in this role as, as lefty, he still has like that little boyish little, almost like boyish tendencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. if that makes sense. He's I mean, playful. He, he is very playful. He's very Wait. useful in all of his roles. I like when he, I think he said he had, I think he said he shat himself twice in the film, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He's like, uh, because the boss walked past him and he's like, shit, I just shit my pants. Yeah. Well, you know, he's got cancer of the prick too. I mean, things are happening to him all yeah. over the place. His floor. body is not good. He's got the best nicknames in the history of movies. Yeah. You know, he's got to go. But I think like, yeah, I mean, even though the playfulness and the kind of like, the wide-eyedness, I and mean, you can even extend that to Jimmy Hoffa and Irishman. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. the way, all the way to that. Oh, great, great observation. Where, uh, yeah, he's buying. Um, I forget now. Oh God, but he's sharing ice cream with one. Yeah, of he people. loves ice cream. He loves the ice cream, and there's again a little. Ch- there's like that playful, childish quality behind him in, in a lot of his roles, and I think that which makes- is how he can connect with Robert De Niro's kids in ways Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci cannot in exactly. The Irishman. <laughs> exactly exactly god that movie i know patrick i think patrick loved that movie you probably liked it too it was I just did. Too, too long man just too freaking long too long you know did not bother me the length really <laughs> 10 I, hours and 22 minutes i mean i can't watch a one hour show period like i'm like this is too long but irishman at three and a half hours i'm like yeah fine i'm in yep. <laughs> so funny. Get an extra bag of popcorn but you know it's I, I had to deep. watch it in like three different sittings. I think that kind of sucked because I, it took me always a little bit to have to you know get back into it like mentally. I mean, who um, knows? Like, because Patrick, you saw it in the theater, right? Uh, yeah, I did. Actually, yeah, the I first did. time I ever saw it was in the theater. Me too. Oh, wow. me too. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I think then that may have that may have been a um that may have been kind of a different way in difference in how you kind of brought in the. Oh, yeah, film. for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, part of it too is like, yeah, seeing it in theaters didn't didn't even go up to the restroom once. Also, like everyone clapped too afterward. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, yeah. I think that's part of it is like seeing like a film with like a a stoked audience can really that can oh, change things. Yeah, yeah, that'll push it over the limit. I mean, the first time I saw Donnie Brasco was actually at the New Beverly in a full house crowd a few oh. years ago, and it really like is still my favorite time ever seeing Donnie Brasco 
was that, you know, and it was a double feature with Pope at Greenwich Village, and it was just a perfect, perfect double feature together, too. I mean, God, we just love movies. I love love going to the movies. I'm such a, I'm like, I, I, whatever. Again, judge me. Judge me on this, but I got AMC A-list, and because it's 25 bucks a month, and you can see up to three movies a week, and this is actually a sponsored contest as a sponsored ad for amc um i wish they had more you know independent smaller budget films that went up at amc but like for any good like big budget stuff like it's fantastic i, I mean, just love yeah if you want to see that all that stuff i mean like that movie pass thing i know it was just like it felt like a mirage now that yeah, it ever actually happened but yeah it was too good to be true and we, we saw they, they had the Los Feliz three down the street from our house was on yeah. movie pass. We just walked there and saw everything that they yeah. played. It was great. It felt like Mar- like those tales that Martin Scorsese tells about when he was a kid and paying a quarter for every movie he went to and saw because he was able to see everything. I, I think I truly think movies would actually be way more on the cultural like they would people would see more people would be open more open-minded if everything was like eight bucks to get into yeah i mean i'd know. see everything if it was five bucks to get into <laughs> well yeah, i mean not 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 now with the kid but before that i would have seen every yeah, movie that came out yeah well I, I understand having to increase the price a little bit but yeah when you want to go out to the movies now and, and tickets on the weekend are like 18 and 19 dollars it's expensive it's it's an expensive cost and it know, turns into a thing too i mean you might yeah. go to the bar before or after you know there's parking there's just like a it turns into like yeah. did i spend 150 bucks this tonight <laughs> yeah oh, I, I, like, I, I tried to like rent i almost got a ticket at the alamo draft house and they were doing this oh. thing where like um they were like uh, get snacks before two or whatever. So I went to get like food at the end, and like it, 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 it was, I almost paid fifty three dollars, and I was like, I can't do this. I can't justify like Quite. maybe like I can do it like when I'm there, I guess in the moment maybe. But when I see it all at once, it was like, no, this is too much. Ah. No, I think Grant, I, our previous guest Graham High and I, when we went to the Alamo Draft House and saw Ford versus Ferrari, I think overall we almost spent like a hundred bucks each because we also got kind of drunk we also got kind of drunk in their bar <laughs> like, you know, on that's top fair. of everything See, that's else like, if you're like if you're like going to the but it's like a night at the bar that's fine uh, at their bar though yeah because they've true. got that great bar there that's true uh let's let's get to that because yeah let's go let's, let's get to the casales yes um oh, man that's patrick voice. hit it hit us uh hit us with your casales Oh uh, man, you know what? Uh, Mike Casale is gonna have to go to uh, 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 Patrick Swayze as uh, as uh, Jim Cunningham. You know, in this go around, uh, I really, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is obviously like, the best part of this movie, uh, but like, you know, Patrick Swayze's cameo is just like uh, it's oh, no. oh, I know what he's doing. I got it. I got it. I figured out what he's doing. Yeah. He's, can, he's 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 thinking about the film Donnie Darko. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's my bit of the week. Oh, what a trick! Uh, <laughs> Academy Academy's resident trickster, like get it, get out of town, Johnny Knoxville. We got another uh, prankster in the house. <laughs> in some cultures, I'm known as Puck, in others, I'm known as Coyote. 
and then uh, other uh, others, <laughs> you, you know, Steve O. Steve O. <laughs> Steve O. Is the current. Uh, he's like, yeah, he's the current Anansi the Spider figure in culture. Has but... has, has <laughs> the Jackass universe come up on every single episode of our show? Yes, <laughs> I believe so. Uh, which is good. I like it. I love it. I love the. I love. I'm excited for Jackass. Oh man! <laughs> and, and I did like. Yeah, I've already told the story too, but I gave Steve O. A flat tie. He's gonna like. He's gonna pants me one day. I, I'm look. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get kicked in the nuts by Wee Man one day. Uh, you're gonna, gonna sit get... down and like your toilet seat's missing, and you're gonna fall right <sighs> into the toilet. It's, like yeah. crazy. And like glued to the toilet. <laughs> yeah. And then, like suddenly the toilet. Like the. I'm. I realize I'm in the back of a truck, and I'm just paraded through town, and everyone can see my yeah. trunk. Yeah. Oh yeah, like curtains, and you're like at Dodger Stadium at the game or something like yeah. that. And like, yeah, and like pitchers are like just aiming at my nuts. I, I still yeah. think I still I still I absolutely stand by that the greatest experience one could have in their life is watching Jackass the movie with Al Pacino and just hearing how he reacts. <laughs> He's gonna stick a hot wheels up his ass. <laughs> this guy's a maniac. Oh, that's actually really funny. <laughs> Anyway, I you know who knows he's probably seen it he's got younger kids but um boy that would be I think he'd I think he'd find it funny and I think it would be fun to be around him as he reacted to all of it so oh, yeah. who do you got uh, for, re- for real for Patrick. real okay it's not Patrick Swayze sorry uh slash tag hashtag slash tag hashtag slash tag not sorry uh I'm giving it to I'm giving it to John Cazale this time around I got oh. to I gotcha. saw him. This, he's so good. This I, I watched him like uh, this is the most I've loved him in a movie ever. I th- I just like for some reason this go around like he just seemed like the sad wet chihuahua. He seemed like a chihuahua in the rain. Like it's oh like someone God. had abused the Taco Bell mascot. Like it was I, so... I, I, I'm a big fan of the song Chihuahua in the Rain. By that the is way, true. yeah, I love it's that. a really good song. Yep, that's a good uh, that's a good yes song. I think a chihuahua in the rain is the per, probably the most perfect way to describe his character in that film. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. He, he looks so scared and he's so wet. He's like, <laughs> it feels like he's shaking the whole time. Like it is. Yeah, he's so he's fucking shitting his pants. He's so nervous holding that. <sighs> he doesn't. He would, looks so out of his element. Yeah. I would have liked to see the Marvel heroes when they're doing battle with Thanos to be as sweaty. As the cast of Dog Day Afternoon, because it's they're saving the world, you know it's got to be a little nerve wracking. I agree. That's another reason why I get so frustrated by a lot of these like modern day movies. Let's see the sweat. Like, yeah, actors don't have to always look so effing perfect. You know what I mean? Like, come on, let's. Uh, I want to see pores. I want to see bad skin. I want to see imperfection. Johnny Depp has a really good zit. In Donnie Brasco in a couple scenes oh, that I'm really he? yeah oh, it's really man. good stuff it's like oh. right on his cheek it's oh, good man, stuff I, I good it. for him good for him man I was yeah. into it yeah. I want to see yeah I want to see uh, Rocket Raccoon uh, tell Groot oh man I just shit my pants <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know I want to see like them go to Greenwich Village and try and get like a you know good apartment maybe get themselves a sheep dog yeah. and just kind of like go through the neighborhood and like, pick up your shoes oh these are my shoes. Yeah, more Serpico. We got Serpico on the brain. Uh, I want to get some shoes. Yeah. Oh god. Um, like, yeah. So I'm going to dive in real quick here. Mine guy who has not been spotlighted too much, despite being a presence this season. I want to give a shout out to Bruno Kirby. 
and Donnie Brasco. I thought he did was he is such like you know, as a kid, and my first uh Bruno Kirby uh awareness was he was one of Billy Crystal's friends in City Slickers, along with Danny Stern. And um, I just think he was such a good presence. He died way too young. I like him as Nikki in this. I he, every single time Nikki gets shot by Lefty, I am genuinely like, oh wow, yeah, they do that. You know, I'm taking up. It's you know, he's fun. He buries Lefty. He's part of the gang that buries Lefty alive at the beach. They've got a great tennis game together. And I just I think Bruno Kirby was a really good actor. We also saw him as young Clemenza in uh, Godfather Two, wow. and um, you know. Always, always did good stuff. I love him in Spinal Tap, where he's their limo driver, telling him about like how Frank Sinatra is real music. I think that that's really great. He's just a good actor, and I think he's really good as one of the guys in this one. I think there's a real like fun authenticity to what he's bringing to it. So, Nick, what do you got? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna have as, as interesting an answer. I'm, I'm gonna stick with what I was thinking about earlier, which was uh, Chris Sarandon. Mm, uh, yeah, I know he was nominated for the Oscar, but he was really good. I, I don't think I've actually seen him in anything before. Um, so I had no idea who he was. I had to look him up, and then I was like, oh, he's Susan's husband. I was like, that's wild. And um, or X, I don't know. But anyway, the, the, the titular Sarandon. Yeah, that you're right. Exactly, the titular surrounded. He's just so. I mean, I I always wonder what an actor like can be cast in that role nowadays, or you know what I mean? Because you know the character he was playing and and, and all the stuff around that, right? Like uh, yeah. portraying someone else's clearly someone that is someone else's life that's really not their role to have, if that makes sense. Right. Um, uh but i just thought he did a great job um it was respectable as he can be in that situation yeah i I think for a film from 1975 it does it's pretty remarkable how respectful it is compared to what could have been from 1975 i'm impressed with uh, the respect that I think the other characters in the movie give him, except for like that one cop that I think snickers right underneath his, um, uh, under his breath when when he hears that that's like his wife or something. Mm-hmm. But everyone else is being, I don't know, respectful of the situation, and I think Chris does a good job of honoring that character and not playing it, you know, stereotypical or something. Yeah, like that. do you know what I mean? Because all the yeah. characters are also very character in that film you know what i mean ever as i said earlier in the in the episode everyone has like an accent and stuff so it wasn't too jarring for you know him to come out with like a really like thick like accent like this and do like a whole voice and yeah it wasn't like, that, yeah there's like it a world where this could have been like really heightened or really camp or really like um over just everything could have been taken to like 10 and uh, the fact that they show an incredible amount of restraint and uh, respect for these characters that at the time uh, often people didn't think they deserved respect. And yeah. like, you'll look at movies like shit, we're going to be talking about uh, Gili. And like, the, it's so crazy. Like, a movie from 2003. 
Yeah, a movie from after 9-11. <laughs> like, insane. But I think, like, Leon is a... Um, Leon's a fully three-dimensional character. Leon yeah. has opinions. Leon has the agency, basically. Yeah. And I think that a lot of, you know, Chris Randon, I agree, Nick, I think Chris Randon does an amazing job with creating a full-fledged character out of something, you know... Uh, and well written too, and you know, and the phone scene between him and Pacino oh, is a classic. I mean, it's so good, and it's so. Re- the, the, I, I have to say, yeah, the the writing is just freaking fantastic in that. Yeah, movie. yeah, it's um, um it's amazing. It's, I mean, I don't have to tell you. Obviously, amazing writing will lead to amazing performances. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have bad writing, you're you're giving your actors your fucking nothing to work with. So when you have a good you know, when you have a great script, that's everything. That's the foundation for your film. So that is why this was so successful, which is why these characters were able to live so, you know, uh, uh, lavishly in, in their in this world, if you will, right? Yeah. Uh, Everybody so. feels like they belong there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Those phone calls you had mentioned earlier, those three different phone calls between Leon and then his, uh, his I guess, real white or the other wife, and then, uh, yeah, the, the, it's just so funny how quickly uh, he hung up on his wife. And then like, he does that thing, and I'm going to take off my hat so I can, he goes, <sighs> and he's just got his hands, and his eyes are huge, and he's just like, it's everything is just, because he does that part earlier in the movie, he's like, I got to please this person, I got to please this person, I got to do this, I got to do that, and I'm doing it all by myself, and I'm like, well, Sal's right over here, but regardless. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, yeah, you can see all these different things in his life and everyone's so dramatic and, and emotional around him. And yeah, it's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot going, there's a lot going on that's overwhelming in his life. I think it just helps to paint a better picture of his character. And again, just leads to more empathy and understanding of maybe what he's going through. Yeah. And what could lead him to do something like this. Um, yeah. <laughs> The world of Dog Day Afternoon is very rich. It is. Certainly. It really is. It's a very, very good movie. I'm so glad that I got to watch it. I'm <laughs> like, I'm very, I, I, I'm, I'm really happy. Well, so we get to it? Yeah. Uh, Patrick, <laughs> why don't you go first? Oh, man. Uh, first, really quickly, I just got a text from my dad. He saw a Bobcat playing golf today. So uh, shout out to my dad. Saw a Bobcat playing golf. Wait. Cool. Oh, he saw a bobcat while your dad was playing golf yeah well my dad was golfing he saw a bobcat oh got it because the way you said it it was like he saw a bobcat golfing i was like oh oh no you want to know you want to know how holly you want to know how hollywood pilled i am what i thought you said is he saw bobcat go with the comedian and director that's who he saw (laughs) golf yeah that that's how hollywood filled i am it's always got to be oh you saw this person so yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh god yeah he saw bob seeger uh yeah get me out of here i gotta I, I haven't been back to seattle in 16 months i gotta get some gotta get out of here you gotta, yeah, you gotta, you gotta get out of here my dude here's yeah i need a breather from this bullshit yeah. <laughs> oh man uh but uh look Oh God, I so want to be the little stinker. I so want to, mm-hmm. you know, I have my two beers so we're, that kind of like enhance my Christian weed that kind of enhanced uh, <laughs> the experience of uh, 
of watching uh, Donnie Brasco for me or Brasco, uh, Donnie Bosco. Uh, I, I, I loved, I loved watching it this time around, or at least I, it's so funny. Like there were times during the Johnny Depp scenes where I was tempted to like, you know, ride that 10 second skip button through in, <laughs> on the Amazon. Like I was like, really like, Oh man, I could do it. Like, I know what's going to happen here. I could just like, but my like completest brain prevented me from doing this because I'm poisoned at this point. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Dumb. There's yeah. no such thing as skipping. No, you can't skip. And there's no, there's no. Yeah, that's skipping. Skipping's for hashtag skipping's for quitters. Uh, but uh, I ain't a quitter. <laughs> uh, but uh, nah, dog day afternoon. Like it's like dog day afternoon's the movie. Uh, and it's just like it's the. It's, it's like the same. It's a tale as old as time. We had it with Kramer versus Kramer in doubt. This is a, almost what I would compare that situation to. It's a. It's like you know the uh, young raw person at the top of his game versus the talented master. Yeah. Uh, just honing his craft excellently, and it's just it's the exact same thing. Where like as uh, good as Donnie as Al Pacino, as competent as Al Pacino is and Donnie Brasco. Uh, you know, there's just there's just things in Dog Day Afternoon that make me feel things that Donnie Brasco can never make me feel or emulate. So there we go, Dog Day Afternoon. All right. Well, I um, Al is really, really, really good as Lefty. I just think um, Lefty is one of his great characters, and I didn't know that that was. I didn't know that I would hold Lefty in the same esteem as Michael Corleone or Sonny or uh tony montana but i do i think uh i think he's really a special character that al really really finds the heart and soul of and creates a three-dimensional portrait of a kind of guy too that you don't see in a lot of gangster movies um but <laughs> dark afternoon's fucking titanic man <laughs> like you know <laughs> like yeah. at the end of the day like he does everything it's a starring role big really well-written role where he gets to scream shout have these huge movie star moments i mean it's like like running through the bank it's chilling and so exciting when he's out there screaming attica you got it man you got it man like he's just it's and you just feel like all of it feels real and all of it feels like it's happening right there and the, the crowd, the way it is, and the way he's bringing it out. And it's just, you know, when I think of Al Pacino, I think of him like with the hanky screaming on the, in front of the bank, that might be like the definitive image that I think of that, or maybe one of Serpico's hats, let's be honest. But um, yeah, I just think, this this movie is going to be really tough to beat, just as it has been thus far, and I think continuing into perhaps the finals because I'm voting for Dog Day Afternoon as well. Hell yeah! Uh, Nick, yeah. Uh, well, I you guys really did a good job of, <laughs> of Don. That was beautiful, actually. Uh, the way you kind of like summarize that. Um, yeah. Uh, as I said before, I think Al Pacino as Lefty is the best part of that film. And so, you know, if we're just trying to isolate performances, um, you know, uh, that that is tough. Uh, movies is different. If you're comparing movies, it's 
very easy. Perform performance is a little harder. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm going with my gut here and, and that's with uh, dog day afternoon as well. And, and, it, and it does stem from what we were just saying of like that, the younger performance uh, of the, of the greener actor having just discovering more and really learning how to act within the role, like as they're doing the job, discovering new stuff versus the seasoned actor who's falling back on, on, uh, on everything that they've learned in their career. Uh, not to say that lefty, cause that comes, I guess, two thirds of the way into his career. Cause I mean, he's done so much work in the past 20 plus years too. That was 97. So he's already, he's done more shit since. I mean, mm -hmm. he's, he's a machine. He's in so many films. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Just the versatility of dog Day afternoon of the highs, the lows, the, the shouting, the intense moments, the subtle moments, the emotion, uh, the, yeah, he, he runs the gamut, you know what I mean? It's up and it's, it's very, reminds me obviously completely different, but similar, similar to Meryl and Sophie's choice insofar as that they're having to roll with all these different feelings throughout the film. And you're just getting to see this kaleidoscope of, of, yeah, of, of, of acting in these roles. It's not one note. There's many different things that are going on. There's, there's changes and, and uh, development within the role, within the story. And uh, yeah, it's just a really good movie and he's, and he's great in it. He is, it's the starring role. He steals the show quite literally. I mean, it's all about him. All eyes are on him. Yeah. So it's, I, it's just, it's just, he's just so present mm -hmm. at the end of the day. I mean, and same you could say the same thing about Streep and Sophie's Choice. It's just, they're always there in every oh, scene yeah. they're in. And it's just, they're like, there's a real life to it. And I think, you know, the same thing is actually in Sophie's Choice, like, you know, Kevin Klein, much like John Cazale, brings out so much as like a perfect co-star to your lead and like really gives wow. them so much to go off of in it. And you know what, though, Dog Day Afternoon? No stingos. Hashtag no stingos. <laughs> <laughs> Singers, and that's when and that's when i met sunny and sal <laughs> <laughs> uh, those two crazy those two crazy new yorkers told me they were gonna rob a bank <laughs> wait this is that's amazing i love shoving stingo into different movies now yeah yes <laughs> Oh. <laughs> they're gonna make the you know how they used all the intellectual property for um space jam too yeah yeah they're gonna sophie's choice too this this time it's all about stingo and it's he's just gonna be running into characters from other films and yeah. <laughs> frankly my dear i do give a damn Ooh, i think as a writer i could do a southern writer i could rewrite that i don't think you give a damn <laughs> When I joined this circus of insects, that's when I knew I may be living a bug's life. I like he has to be like two inches though. I love the idea of <laughs> this little southern man hanging out with insects. He, like, I, don't, I don't I don't think I got a better one than that. I hope I've that was good. That was really good. That was, I hope everyone else enjoyed that as much as the three of us did. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, but yeah, so if, uh, uh, audience, if you have other film ideas in which you think Stingo, the classic character from Sophie's Choice, could be translated into or transmitted into, uh, you know, let us know on Twitter. Yeah, at the very uh, least, they should include him with all the other IP characters in Space Jam 2, like uh, like oh Barry Linden uh, and like the ner- the nun from The Devils. And like, and, all and, the- yeah, and he, and he could say something like, boy, I really thought the 90s Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan were truly the best NBA basketball team. But now that I've seen LeBron James play with these cartoon characters, my mind has changed. Somebody yeah. calls Skip Bayless. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Wayne Knight? I miss Wayne Knight. <laughs> who, who is the comic relief in their Space Jam? Because uh, I know Bill Murray and Wayne Knight and those kind of guys were in the original one. Which I've uh, never seen either. I, it's so funny. I tried to watch Space Jam too. Like I, I, I went on HBO Max and because it was like free, and I was like, you know, I, I, I can, I'm fine with just wasting my life. I'm, I'm good with just like burning uh, hours of my life. But like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go five minutes. It was just too. Uh... Wow. I mean, like Don Cheadle's the bad guy. I know that much, and he's pleasant. Well, I like him, obviously. Uh... It's just like that movie is too ready player one for, where it's like it's such a mercenary use of IP. Like mm-hmm. it does like it does like hurt me. Watching it I, makes me physically ill. <laughs> I was thinking about after this putting it on and watching it since it is on HBO Max. Also, I actually really liked Ready Player One. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's fine. I don't know. It's like it's it, here. Here's what I'll say. Ready Player One is as good as... That's the best that film will ever be. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Like I, I think, yeah, I agree. I it does make sense. Oh, I, I didn't think it was like a great yeah. film. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it. I, I, there's I cool moments. Story. There's just some cool visuals, and sometimes I'm a sucker for like that type of stuff. You know that's I mean? that's cool. totally fair. I'm and I'm just and I'm like a I'm brain I'm a I'm a brain ruined like goblin. I've like uh, I just uh, I don't things don't give me joy anymore. I went to a uh, like it was it's like like Nick and I we both went to like a party recently where like everyone was uh, uh, talking about the Marvel movies in like very high regard. And I had to like kind of step back in my brain a little bit and be like, you know what? I'm just gonna go with the flow. I'm because like I don't want to be the dude at the party that's like, "Uh, actually, these movies are bad. And I'm gonna say like it would like, (laughs) yeah, right. I don't know. We just have to accept it for what it is. I saw Black Widow a week ago. I enjoyed it. It was a great time because you know exactly what you're getting, and that is gonna be stupid story. Yeah. Usually no character development. And some pretty people on screen doing some cool shit. And like, as long as you go in knowing that, then like, you'll never really be disappointed. That's, the, uh, that's, the, that's what it says on the poster for Black Widow too. Some pretty people doing cool shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Nick. Almost, yeah, it's pretty much every action movie. That's definitely every Marvel movie. It's yeah, pretty. I, 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 oh, I looked at the poster. And, and then my, my tag is uh, Brian De Palma should have directed it. That's the... <laughs> Yeah, I just saw the tagline. Apparently, it's a "Don't come in here expecting Nomadland, fucker." <laughs> like, <laughs> Comma, uh, yeah. fucker, fucker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, you know what? I just looked on. Uh, you know, thank uh, bless having two screens. Apparently, the uh, the uh, I think the um, the I, I'm going to say this without even watching the movie. 
based on the cast, I think the uh, comedic relief character is Lil Rel Howery, who's mm-hmm. great in Get Out. So, like, yeah. uh, that's a good. I think he is a worthy successor of the Wayne Knight goofy. Uh, if there's a scene, like, I'll be happy. If there's a scene where uh, Lil Rel Howley uh, has to get, like, blown up like a balloon, and then, like, he re- lets out the air like a weird fart, then you- you've done it, Space Jam, too. I, I, I'm actually noting, too, a little bit further down on the Wikipedia page, uh, Peter McNichol. Holy shit, Stingo himself. <laughs> yeah, Stingo, Stingo's in the corner sitting with, uh, what, what other Warner IPs he's sitting with? He's sitting uh, with Alex that. from Clockwork Orange. Yeah. The and, um, and frankly, uh, Hackman and Pacino in Scarecrow of Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They're both Scarecrow, uh, Patton's there from Patton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Clute from the film Clute. Yeah. Oh, it's Clute. Look, it's Clute. <laughs> <laughs> I love Clute. My kids <laughs> love Clute. My parents love Clute. That's what I'm saying in the Warner Brothers yeah. offices. It's it's the guy from the it's the it's the titular Don from the Don is dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean just all the hottest Warner Brothers intellectual yeah. property coming together yeah. in a movie. Hey, you know about what? Looney Tunes playing basketball yeah, or something. I don't know. In space. Ho- Who's to they, say? Ho- hopefully they all fuck like Sausage Party. Hopefully yeah. It's, uh, oh an insane God. where all the IP, all the content and IP, they all just fuck and then eventually they turn into a big slurry. Well, the, uh, another <laughs> another Warner Brothers property, the film Caddyshack, ends with Robert or with uh, Rodney Dangerfield saying, "Hey, we're all gonna get laid." Well, that's where Space Jam Two jumps off. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, okay, there we go. Oh we gotta play God. the game. Noted children's favorite, Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack. <laughs> Get over here, Gossamer. Uh, Patrick looked like you're about to die for a second. <laughs> I uh, wish, I wish, I wish listeners could see the way you were like just roaring back and forth <laughs> in your chair. <laughs> I feel you. There was a moment where I lost breath for a second. And I was like, "Is this like a heart attack? Is this how I end? Is this how my life ends?" <laughs> I just die. I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> Oh my God, that is that is so sad. That uh, is sad, sad. Yeah, also it's, super funny. Like we yeah. should get to the game, but if you, if you have a great idea of other films the character Stingo could have appeared in, yes. hashtag hashtag Stingo Swap. Hashtag Stingo Swap. Yes. What, yeah. Was he in? Uh, was he in the Cockfighter? Was he in? Uh, well. <laughs> I mean, this could get back to a very early reference point. Uh, Cry in the dark. Yeah. Oh, and you know what I'm getting? At? Maybe the stingo. It ate killed. His... Ate the baby. All credit to Jen who walked by, and maybe the stingo <laughs> ate your baby. She she grumbled that under her breath as she heard us talking. Okay, let it be known uh, that Jen Sanderson stingo and my baby joke is the uh, patented uh, stamps.com joke of the week. We also have to mention that. She is a professional comedian. I am not. So she's better at all of this yeah. anyway. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm nothing. She, yeah, she actually has something. <laughs> I'm 
my value in reference to hers is still. Um, she is she has played the laugh factory i have been to the laugh factory yeah. so um, <laughs> you know there's the difference right there i mean i've, I've laughed inside a factory mm-hmm. oh yeah so weird. You're, you're gonna have to tell me off the air what factory that was uh, uh, <laughs> is a coke bottling plant a factory it was the lava factory from terminator 2 yeah! let's get oh, to the game yeah. <laughs> okay here we go here's the game folks oh man in this game, oh lord, it's gonna be ridiculous. Here we go. Oh, okay. good. Oh. Uh, it's a good though. It's called. Here you go. The game is. Uh oh man, let me find the title. Wait one second, folks. I had it written down. Uh and okay, so the name of the game is "And Justice Thwarted by Al." <laughs> In okay. reference to "And Justice for All," the, the movie "And Justice for All," mm-hmm. and here's the premise: Okay, Al Pacino is going to become a supervillain based on one of the films he has acted in. Oh. Which character would he choose, and what would the gimmicks be? So, for example, uh, mild-mannered Al Pacino is now Mister Sunday, inspired by any given Sunday, and he lobs football bombs. Uh, he he primarily steals. Fancy, rare NFL memorabilia. He does a lot of coke, uh, you know. So there we go. Uh, uh, oddly enough, almost every single one of these super villains could be doing a lot of coke. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a recurring theme. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I can, I can start. Uh, go for it. Okay, uh, so I will say uh, Al Pacino uh, is going to be uh, Miss The Scent. And he's just—he's—he's he's basically his character Golly. in in Scent of a Woman. He's Slade. He can also be called Slade, but I just like him as the scent. Uh, and he—he's blind like his character, but he has super. In, his, in addition to like heightened reflexes, like he's sort of like a an evil daredevil. He has heightened reflexes, and he has super olfactory powers, so he can like be like, oh, that's. Smells like a flight attendant from Paris, you know. Like I can sense, I can smell that lady's cologne forty uh, yards away. Uh, and he's going to use that for evil. A hundred percent. And yeah. he uh, and uh, <laughs> he's a uh, his primary uh, evil doing is a stolen valor. He just pretends. <laughs> He just goes into places pretending to be a general or a, a military guy. And, you know, he tells that story about, you know, <laughs> he tells that story about juggling the grenade, but that's like a lie. He just. Uh... Oh, God. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the scent. <laughs> that's... My special power being a liar. <laughs> <laughs> that's his thing. He's a liar. Yeah. He's sort of like, you know, he's like the Joker, you know, he doesn't have like a superpower really, mm. but he's just, he's just, he's like the antithesis to Batman. Mm. Yeah. All right. I, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Hit me. <laughs> so when we last left Francis Del Bucci of the film Scarecrow, he was comatose in a bed and Gene Hackman's Max promised to come back to him. We discussed this before. I'm not sure if Gene came back, Mm-mm. which left Francis in that bed for years oh, and God. years oh, and no. years with anger and resentment and the thirst for revenge boiling in his skin. The problem, though, Patrick, this is the issue. Oh, no. He's still comatose, oh, but he's been in this bed long enough that get this. Avatar technology has been created. 
<laughs> and he has become a half man, half lion, taking on the nickname that Gene Hackman gave to him of Lion Man. And he is on the hunt for revenge against Gene Hackman. He's not let you know what? He goes to that shack that those two nice ladies lived in, Gene Hackman's sister and stuff like that. He burnt that fucking place down to Damn. the ground and he roared in front of it like the MGM lion. And <laughs> So I just watched the film First Blood, the initial Rambo movie, Mm -hmm. and Rambo just gets waylaid and he ends up destroying the entire town because Brian Dennehy's an evil sheriff. This is pretty much what goes down in the city of Denver, Colorado with the character Lion. I love it. Until Until Gene Hackman returns to the town. So he can get his get his revenge, and guess what? He ain't giving him no lamp. He's giving him blood and guts. Does does he become a Navi too? Does he have to? Well, that's an interesting that's an interesting twist on things because Gene Hackman's an antihero. He has to step up because we know he's in it for himself. He's a selfish guy. He's like. I don't know, probably Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, he has real, to learn how to be a hero. He's a real The Punisher type. Yo, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. But then he gets, uh, let, you know what? Let's call it like it is. His avatar, he becomes fucking Shrek. Oh, <laughs> Shrek. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Shrek's uh. in the mix. And now we have a anthropomorphic lion <laughs> fighting Shrek. With the city of Denver at stake. <laughs> and then Rodney Dangerfield comes in and says, it's, we're let's get all get laid. And, but guess what? The saddest part? Stingo's not invited to that orgy. Oh, the yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, Sting, Stingo's a never fuck. Yeah, he ain't fuck. He never gets invited. He's like the Tom Lennon character in Party <laughs> Down who's like trying to throw his own orgy because he's never invited anything. <laughs> so that's um somebody call netflix because that sounds like a movie to me <laughs> oh man uh, so good from the makers of Sheely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh oh martin breast back martin, yeah we'll get martin breast to come out of retirement to make this <laughs> terrible movie that i just came up with <laughs> please um nick what do you got oh my god how can i how can i after that <laughs> you guys, I, I'm like, I'm like mentally and physically exhausted from a very hungover day. But I, oh my god, I'm not gonna bother. I feel like if I'm gonna even try with this, I'm gonna just fail and make a fool of myself. The only things I can think about from the two movies we watch that I think would be funny if we're talking about like superhero skills, the two things that like the way that Al. In Dog Day Afternoon, he fumbles the gun out of that box. It's just so fucking funny to me. So, I don't know. Maybe a, a character, a superhero that is just really, <laughs> it's just really awkward. The fumbler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the fumbler and then, and then from... Uh, and then from Donnie Brasco, the, the shitting their pants. So it's just, it's just, so it's a superhero. It's the anti-superhero. They just shit their pants and they fumble shit. 
Just picture like, all right, and Fumbler, you had this infinity stone. Uh, and he goes, oh, 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 I just shit myself. He pulls oh, out no. the, the pockets in his suit. He's like, I don't know where it is. It fell into one of my many pockets. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I bet it's like, who invited this guy? Yeah. He doesn't even make other people shit their pants. Listen, he, he went himself. He went to... He went to high school with Iron Man, and he's always kind of felt a little sorry for yeah. him. <laughs> so they, they both went to Baird. Like, oh, Tony Stark is a Baird man, oh, yeah, through yeah. and through. Yes, <laughs> yeah, without he, a doubt, he's he up, voted for Bob Dole. He's up skiing at Sugarfish Mountain or wherever yeah. the fuck it is. Yep, <laughs> he's just yeah, he's there with fucking yeah, yeah. Philip Philip Seymour Hoffman, not Peter Sarsgaard. You know the no. the everyone Todd we were yeah. not to be mistaken with young Peter Sarsgaard, which oh, I man. did the first one and a half times I watched that movie. <laughs> um, I feel like it's like a compliment too, because like usually I feel like he's usually uh, confused with like either Moby or Jim Rash. I feel like. When he has a when he had a he's got a weird ass wig on, yeah. In right. uh, scent of a woman to go back to that to that yeah. minor minor storyline. You know, you know maybe one of these superheroes could have prevented them from doing that elaborate prank to pour paint on the dean's jaguar, and yeah. that really could have. Say, say, saved us all a lot of time. If, if Thor just straight up murdered these five kids, just like stop <laughs> doing that. <laughs> like head turns into jelly. Yeah. yeah, and you know what though, we would have never had an Iraq War. That's I know, I, I know that for certain. Oh, yeah, if no, that no, had like happened, said, yeah, they they definitely they one hundred percent were architects of the Iraq war. Phil Hoffman, Todd Luiso, all the characters who went to school with Chris O'Donnell and sent of a woman. And now they're like David Frum and they're saying that they were not bad guys no, at we're, all. We're actually yeah. part of the hashtag resistance, sir. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're hashtag resistance now says fucking Scotty J. Oh, <laughs> That's God. his character from Boogie Nights. Sorry. Fuck. Who cares? It's, yeah, who cares? it's like, who cares? It's yeah. like, I still felt the <laughs> anger of like, of just the idea of David from that made me step. I almost the ended. I almost ended the show there with both of us just going, "Ah, oh, who cares?" That would be a <laughs> funny way to end the show. Oh man! Uh, you know, at the end of the day, none of this is all bullshit. Oh none yeah, nothing matters. matters. We're all just in the wind. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're we're not making any art comparable to Dog Day Afternoon. There you go. <laughs> okay, we're not making any art comparable to Space Jam too. <laughs> at least they got their movie made. Oh, we are. Is it getting late, or are we just getting nihilistic here? I don't. No. No. But, you have um, a kid. You're no longer allowed no. to be there's, nihilistic. Hey, there's future, baby. There's, yeah, future. there's future, and it's in space playing basketball with cartoon characters. Yes. <laughs> One day we'll be playing basketball with Sylvester. One day we'll be playing with Foghorn Leghorn. One day we'll be playing with a junkyard dog, which was the famous dog that uh, Foghorn Leghorn fought a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, no, no, a noteworthy professional wrestler from the seventies and eighties, um, <laughs> as we all know. Nick, thank yes. you so much for jumping on the show. Yeah, well, <laughs> as well, usual, well, as usual, chaos reigns, but in a good way. Always yeah. a pleasure. This is so much fun. You guys are so. <laughs> I'm gonna. You guys are so entertaining. You guys, like, I get such a big kick. Obviously, you guys are intelligent. It's, fun. it's great talking film with you, too. And I know we're friends. But 
also the the two of you just like i don't know making each other laugh and stuff it's just so much fun i it's it's really just good energy on this podcast and uh yeah thank you again for bringing me back i really love it yeah uh, you know what? They, if I'm going to be dragging myself off, I might as well be doing it with my best buds. That's what everybody <laughs> says. That's what everyone says. Except for Stingo, because he wasn't invited. Yeah. Oh, man. Another, another party I did not go to. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I do declare. I do declare. I, I, I do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another, another can of spam for me. Oh God! Fog remember works. that? Okay. Remember, so remember like, Stingo with the spam? That you know, uh, he loves don't that forget spam. it. Don't forget he, it. Why wasn't he in spam a lot? Jesus! Oh they God. fucked up. They fucked they, up. These, these Hollywood fucks. These pieces <laughs> of shit. <laughs> Looking at you, Eric Idle. Yeah, Eric you Idle. Hollywood you, fat cat, Eric Idle. Yeah, Hollywood <laughs> fat cat, Hollywood sicko, Eric yeah, Idle. Yeah, Hollywood freak, Eric Idle. <laughs> <laughs> no, he another another person. No, he's normal. Far more creative and successful than me. So, yeah. Oh no, I love him. He's like yeah, the, I'm a, the I'm a, Ruddles. Oh, yeah. oh, love him. Love him. Yeah, yeah. or the Ruddles. Uh, um, let's 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 clock the gates. Is Patrick? Is there any one or anything or any anything at all really that you'd like to thank oh, on man. your way out of this episode? I want to thank. Uh, uh, people that uh, didn't wear sunscreen in the 60s for looking super <laughs> weathered in their 70s performances. Uh, I want to thank uh, I want to thank uh, my two beers that like just made gotta, uh, you Donnie, gotta. yeah, oh gotta that made a, a PBR baby that made a just that made Donnie Brasco an even bigger treat than usual. I gotta thank uh I have to thank uh, my boy Bruno Kirby. Gotta thank Curbs. Bruno Curbs. And you know what, Bruno Kirby? Oh, no. Co star of The Godfather, sir. Uh, excuse me, Bruno Kirby. It's past your bedtime, buddy. Uh, <laughs> go to go, bed. Go to bed. Have a warm glass of milk and go to sleep. <laughs> um, I gotta give a huge shout out to all my precocious film composers out there age 12 and under i'm looking at all you we're looking to score some short films coming out this year we'll be talking um (laughs) i gotta thank the first 47 years of life because after 48 if you were around in 1975 you did you did uh pregnant dogs big shout out to all the pregnant dogs out there i hope everything went well we did not see how it went um close my close friend i mean i hesitate to call him a mentor but sometimes you just have to christian weed um big (laughs) shout out to christian weed i mean there's just i wouldn't have gotten through those years without him um yeah i I loved him as third dementor in uh, the deathly hollows part one (laughs) yeah i gotta i gotta i just added it to my spotify playlist but chihuahua in the rain (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, oh man yeah when, when Roger Hauer says that in the end of Blade Runner I teared up
I just got a text from Dodd. He said, oh, my computer died. Oh, what a bread. That's a, a reference to a joke from the podcast. Uh, I'm going to say... Here, I'm going to say, I feel like that that feels like a good... <laughs> this is like, honestly a good way to end. This is a good way to end the I, podcast. This is the universe telling you for all of us to shut the fuck up because, you know, it's like... <laughs> Otherwise, you'll just we'll just keep on talking till like the end of time. So no worries. Con- I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, first time in history. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, you know uh, Don says we're finishing it off on our own. I want to say thank you, Nick. Nick, you've been great. And uh, yeah, you're good. Uh, do you, is there anything to, you plugged already? Right? Is there anything? No, you yeah, no, I was nothing to plug. Thank you and Don. Love this uh excited for the end of this season and all future seasons uh you know i love this stuff so you're doing amazing work Aww, you're doing, thank you. doing doing the god doing 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 the good lord's work with these uh these movie the actor brackets <laughs> thank you we are yeah one day one day we'll be vindicated uh that, that's it folks uh we're gonna sign off and uh Hey, it's me, Rodney Dangerfield. Let's all get laid. (laughs) Yahoo! (laughs)